Hot diggity dog. It's Hotline League episode 54. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I am so excited, guys. The passion that I have for this episode, it is it is incredible. I, I'm just joined by two amazing people. Worlds is done, but you know what? Worlds was passe, all right? Oh, Koreans aren't doing well? Whatever. It's the off-season, baby. We're getting ready for All-Stars. Scouting Grounds is going on this week. There's uh, roster rumors and changes. There, you guys just want you want to talk about so many things, and and let me tell you, we're going to talk about all of it. All right. So first off, shout out to the mystery sponsor. They're coming back in for this episode. I know you guys are eager. You want you want a taste of what the tr- you you'll find out soon. I promise it. Okay. Mark Zimmerman is here, my constant co-host. How's it going, Mark? Good. I uh, was at a shoot all day. That was a lot of fun. I got free shit from it, which is all I really care about. I got this great double lift shirt, and then I also got. Double if pants. Okay. I'm worried you're going to fall. Don't. I'm, I'm okay. great. Uh, and then also, I got to watch you get up and down multiple times with your bad back, and it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, It was not great. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Well, then, what did you, merch, huh? what did you mm-hmm. do today? Uh, I went to Scouting Grounds uh-huh. and um, had a great time looking at the future of North American talent. Did you get double lift clothes there? I didn't get any double lift clothes. I'm kind of jealous now that I know he has merch. Well, it launches this Friday. I remember how much he complained at TSM that they took forever to make his t-shirt. And uh, uh, seemed like something he was really passionate about. Yes. Well, it launches this Friday, so you can buy some. Um, Before we get into the calls and everything... Tell me a little bit about how you ended up doing all the CLG stuff because I haven't seen you know too much content around how you landed there. Just kind of like the big announcement a week ago. So uh, how did you go to? How did you end up going to CLG? How does this compare to other teams? Like, did you do you think for a while you're going to stick around in Europe? Like, what happened? Um, yeah. So like I was saying before the show restarted, uh, where, didn't restart. where did I, where did I start that? Oh, I mean, uh, sorry. Like I was saying uh, in my imagination. A few minutes ago, um, I didn't think I was gonna. I didn't think I was gonna sign. This is the first ever actual employment contract I've ever signed in esports, and I didn't think it was gonna happen this year. Um, I've been kind of like moonlighting in esports and working uh, more or less full time or having my own company since uh, since 2012. And uh, I assumed at some point, if esports kept growing, that it would kind of match the needs of a mid 30s person with four kids who needed to live in LA, which is kind of ridiculous in terms of cost. But um, yeah, CLG kind of came together and we got to the poverty line. Okay. And, and so I was like, all right, let's do it, honey. And um, yeah, we, we're moving out here. They're in Minnesota right now and I'm house hunting. We're going to find a, find, a, uh, find a place like near the uh, office here. Yeah. And uh, I'm coming on as the head coach. Hey, congratulations. Are you rolling something around the table or anything right now? Sorry, nice. I was playing with this. Microphone I pulled yeah. out of the headset. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely what we were hearing. Uh, oh, maybe I was playing with the microphone itself. Yeah. Well, just don't touch anything. All right? Hands to yourself, mister. Uh, <laughs> your hands inside the ride at all times. Yeah. How did you... So so this is permanent. Your family is moving out here as opposed to times whenever you... Come I mean, if LA you look before. in the global contract database, you'll see I signed a three-year contract. Okay. So it was a uh, it was like a pretty hefty commitment, yeah. I think. Holy moly. And yeah. Nero's not even in the global contract database, and you're in there. Congratulations. Poor Nero. Yeah. Um, He's poachable. 
Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you start in the contract uh, database, then hey, buddy, need a job? I could approach him. Yeah, uh, Mark. Yes. What do you want to get into instructions and explanations and how this stuff works? Sure. Do you want me to to do my rant at the beginning or the end of the show? Uh, why don't you explain how it works, and then you, that'll give people time to to spam Discord with ideas and topics and all that stuff, and then you can go on your rant. All right, sounds good. So for people who have not seen how this show works before, here's how we do it. I will be spamming in Twitch chat right now a Discord link to the server. You're going to want to join up there. And then once you get in there, you need to join Pleb Calls or Pleb Calls 2, uh, the voice channels. You can mute yourself once you're in there. And then you'll I'll need you in there in order to actually pull you into another room if I like your topic. You're going to post your topics in the Pleb Topics text channel and try and keep these... Uh, we try and prefer takes, but I understand that in this situation, we might actually have a fair amount more just general questions about Weldon and how he goes about coaching or what he thinks CLG needs to improve on. Whatever it is, uh, go ahead and post. If we like your topic, we'll pull it down. You can also talk about things not related to Weldon. So if you want to talk about how the uh, scenes are going, stuff, yeah. all-stars are kind of like getting coming out one at a time. I don't really know how that's all working. Scouting uh, grounds? Stuff. Yep, scouting grounds as well. So anything you guys want to talk about, you go ahead and post it. If I like it, I'll pull you into the waiting room. Once you are there, uh, I will come in when it is your turn and ask you to do a quick mic test to make sure everything's working out all right. And then we will pull you into the room to talk to Weldon and I, and sometimes Travis. Sometimes me. Wow. Sometimes Travis. Strong um, co-hosting. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, an arrow is still not in the contract database. What is going on? Take him. Um, all right. So, Mark, you had a rant you wanted to start this off with, and then and we'll get this out of the way, and then and then you know, Weldon, if you have opinions on this, then we'll, we'll go with that too. We'll yeah. See. So, I, I would actually love if Weldon chimed in just to get you know another. Opinion. I have a lot of opinions. So great. Pretty That's sure I'll have one to spare for this. So one thing that I've been talking about a little bit more this year is the like player base and how that influences how successful regions are and things like that. And two days ago, I believe Thorin put out a video about how saying uh, NA is using player base as an excuse for their performance, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so oh, I don't... Maybe you, I should have watched that. I didn't know if you watched it or not. So um, I just assumed it was for views since it seemed to counter contradict mathematics like in the title i just didn't bother to yeah it. it counters mathematics and historical data and a lot of other stuff and even his own points within the video contradict themselves uh so it really frustrated me and so i, I wrote a whole thing and then the next day when i was supposed to shoot it i was actually really hungover and i never shot it so i'm lumping it into this show right now can't um, you just tweet a picture of a bell curve and just like yeah like here's what's called like, normal distribution argument. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so he opens up the video by setting up a really great straw man by saying people use this as the reason that NA is worse than Europe when that's really not what people do when they talk about this. It's actually like a global context, how player bases affect every region. Uh, and so no one is saying NA sucks because of this. They're saying this is one reason that NA might be worse than the other major regions who have larger player bases. If people thought player bases were the only thing people cared about, we would actually be applauding us for being vastly better than Brazil, who has a roughly similar player base. But we don't applaud NA for that because that would just be stupid. Um, so, Travis, if you want to go ahead and pull up that graphic I sent you. Oh. Do you have it? Yeah, it's, it's up on screen. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it. Uh, 
yeah, you can see it probably just in there welding. So you see, uh, this is by 2017. This is not official data. There's going to be errors in here. It's not 100% accurate. I'm not saying that this is like the definitive data, but it's a good ballpark number. So you see NA and Brazil are really close together, only 1% difference about in like one and a half, two-ish, however you want to round it up, whatever you want to do to it. It's like, hey, we're doing way better than Brazil. This is crazy. Uh, but no, no one thinks player base is the only thing that matters. It's just a factor. Um, and whenever I talk about this, I don't say why is NA bad or why is NA worse than Europe. I phrase it as why would you expect NA to be better than these other regions? Uh, and, do you want to? By the way, there's no China on here, and people are freaking out about that. I don't know if you want. So China's that. not on here for two reasons. One, it's not done through Riot's API, so you can't get the same data from it. And two, even if you could get that data, the player base from China would be so large it would smush all these numbers down because this is percentage. Uh, player base. Yeah, it'd just be like all the rest. Everyone would be like 1%, and then China would be like 98%. It would really skew the data. So it's actually great that they're not on here. It's sad the LMS is not on here, because that's really what I'd like to do. I'd be super interested about, yeah, LMS uh, player base to like Flash Wolves performance level. Yeah, Seems like they've been pretty darn standout for uh, their talent pool. Well, I'm but glad... But again, this is like one single team, right? So like, they can field one single team over and over and over again. Those five I'm, players, you know. I'm so glad you brought it up because Thorin went there in his video too and he said he tried to use the LMS as an example of like, look how player base doesn't matter because sometimes Flash Wolves has done better than NA. But It's a horrible example. It's a horrible example because Flash Wolves is the only good team in the LMS. The past three years, no one has gotten out of groups at Worlds from the LMS. And this year, there are two teams that were not Flash Wolves when it combined 0 and 12. Also, last year, the first time a major region team ever lost in play-ins to a wildcard team was none other than HKA from the LMS. There isn't depth in that region, and there's not enough money or infrastructure to overcome their player base's shortcomings. So all he did by bringing up the LMS is prove the point that player bases probably matter because people have known for a long time that the player base of the LMS is relatively low. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, think, I think it's like people don't kind of understand the argument, right? That or. So the way that like statistical distributions work, the top of the bell curve is still the top of the bell curve. Like the bounds are the same, right? So the top one player in North America, if you're looking at if you, if you're if you're just like taking a model, it's going to be the same as the top one player in EU. Um, and I was actually talking to one of the academy players about this today because he was like, I he was talking about how he's played on the EU server and the Korean server and how he doesn't think. Um, that diamond two or like in the master tier that the the play, the play level is different. So there's just a lot more of them. So if you look at like for every one peak performer on the NA ladder, there's like three on the EU ladder. If you look at that chart that you, you put up, right? Mm -hmm. So there's just like whoever is the top of our ladder. I don't know who's the best mid laner native mid laner that we have. Poe Belter most likely. Yeah. So there's, there's three of him. We have one and they have three. And then those three play against each other and they just get better because they get to play against each other. That's the, that's the argument of depth yeah. that like you get to play against like uh, a team that is, that is, uh, that is actually much better than the number two team here. And so because you're playing against equivalent players that are at your skill level, because Luca got to scrim perks for a whole year, they both end up, uh, sorry, because perks got caps, to scrim caps yeah. right for a whole year, they both end up far better than their equivalent counterparts in America because like here it's like, Perks scrimming against um, like Nisky or something like that, right? And, and at I some just point, can't believe video, you which Nisky's awesome, right? But I was just I was just like, if you have to divide tiers, you know, I would just naturally go kind of like that. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to throw shade at Niski. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's it's totally f- uh, fair to say that like that within each tier there's going to be more. Even if you have like that bell curve distribution, the top point zero zero one percent, it'll be like a hundred players versus two hundred fifty or three hundred players. So I actually did the math in two thousand fourteen because okay. I was I was trying to teach this to players. Uh, the the to the global amount of player base to the pro player base. It's point zero 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 two percent of the population of the total global player base makes it to pro, and in basketball it's point zero zero two percent. So actually, it's like a factor of a hundred times harder to make it pro in League of Legends than in like NBA. Um, but that's not counting for the fact that there's a whole bunch of people that never try in basketball because they don't have the necessarily have the uh, the genetics yeah. for it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The height, you know? They just, yeah. they're like, yeah, I'm not going to be a basketball player. So they just like, don't try. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of self selection in league. So we have a bunch of guys who are surfing around in the player base, like just playing for fun. Yeah. Like goal players aren't going to get there, most likely. You hear some, some stories. But, anyways, Thorne gets into a lot of the complexities of the European servers, but he only does it through the lens of recruiting for the EU LCS. And he completely ignores the fact that, like Weldon was making, the quality of solo queue is a huge part of the argument. And so, what Thorne says is in the EU servers, a lot of people from other servers come and compete on EU West because that's seen as the competitive one. So, EU East people, Russia, Turkey, like those players spend time on the EU West server, he was saying. Um, and he was trying to use that as a detriment to like, those aren't actually players that EU LCS can draft and, and bring into their league. Um, but it's also works in favor of the quality of the solo queue because multiple high level people are coming to play on this server and it's creating a swell in that region of the normal distribution, actually increasing the amount of talented mm-hmm. players on the Bumping server. Yeah. And same thing happens in Korea. Everyone plays on the Korean server who can get a good enough ping and connection to um because you want to play against the best people and it creates an artificial swelling at the high ranks of of good players so like even if you can't take those players into your own scene you're still getting better average practice in solo queue like because the chinese pros get given accounts by riot for the for the korean server and play there too right Mm -hmm. um I, i was talking to a player at scouting grounds today and he said uh he was helping scout for the one of the teams i think it might have been echo fox i don't remember um, and he said, I just saw the, um, like he was at the scouting grounds the last two years. And he said, I just saw the support like by, you know, Sightstone and, and go straight mid and kind of meet up with this jungler. Um, that, that is just starting to happen sometimes in, in like NA solo queue. Uh, whereas like Korea, if in like diamond, if you, uh, if you like buy, get your sidestone and then you go bot, they're like open mid, our support's a noob, you know? Um, he didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't with jungle for like controlling mid over, over the dot bush, you know? So I think it's, yeah, I think like the density of, of at the top end, like you were describing, kind of like increases the strategy there, which means that uh, what they're going to be doing and how they understand the game and the matchups and, and how the 2v2s and the 3v3s function is just higher. Yeah. And then he gets on, he continues talking about some of the, the intricacies of the European server and points out cultural and societal differences, making it harder to create cohesive teams. Um, and so he's saying, like, even if you have a, a, a larger talent pool that you're pulling from, they may not interact as well. And he also, well, hold on. He, he gets even better because because he combos this point into, on top of that, NA is taking EU's talent uh, and, and watering down the top end of their pool by taking talent away. 
but then what's funny is he doesn't talk about how the fact that if NA is taking European talent, NA is creating a larger cultural problem for themselves than exists in Europe. It's probably harder to acquaint yourself with North American culture if you're Danish than German culture if you're Danish. Similarly, Korean players who get imported, you might get some of their best players, but if you believe that societal and cultural problems are real, then the people that you're importing are fixing your talent problem, arguably, but creating an artificial secondary problem that you, sh- that you were just saying that NA shouldn't have. But now we do because we, all of our Korean imports don't like living in, or not all of them, but a substantial portion actually really don't enjoy North American living. I've, and- I've had the completely opposite experience coaching EU teams um, that, and maybe this is a continental issue because like Thorne's from the UK, I think. So maybe they have like a more American mindset towards multiculturalism i don't know but um at least the teams that i've been on function a little bit more respectfully of their of the of like in terms of like conflict and player resolution and player understanding of their teammates because they're multicultural and multilingual environments from the outset and that's like a that's like the status quo in europe that everything is multicultural multilingual um and you're raised with that and so you're more competent at navigating it I see a lot of problems with fluent, like mother tongue speakers of English trying to communicate with second language speakers, like a lot more on North American teams than in Europe, where everybody's kind of a second language speaker of English. And so they just, they find better ways to communicate. They read body language better. Um, They, they like, you know, make their sentences simpler and are more direct. And I just think it's, uh, yeah, I've experienced the opposite, actually. I think that's great because that stops me and him from having to be theoretical and you can just say that's not true (laughs) and also did he touch at all in the national leagues the fact that we have 10 academy teams and they have like five robust national leagues that are almost to the point where they're like literally creating and generating sponsorship activations to the level of like the you know the full eu lcs and they're like now starting second b tier in the national leagues and this level of recruitment allows for the kind of like talent discovery that is insane compared to what we have here. I mean, we have scouting grounds and they have like the French league and the Spanish league and a UK league where Maxler came from and, you know, vitality sitting on top of and inspiring everybody for, I think G2's G2's like a Spanish team, G2 Vodafone where upset came from and uh, Sendo, they were like, um, they were part of a structure of eight teams under which there was a B league and they were actually like, monetizing like at a very serious level in that league which was really generating a lot of viewers in in locally in spain so i don't know it feels to me like um maybe if it's not like solo queue if it's not the latter at the very least the infrastructure for talent development there is is crazy compared to what we have twitch chat wants a canadian league uh oh and a mexican league yeah and they had latam north i guess yeah uh he doesn't talk about that at all, actually. But what he does talk about is how Denmark has produced an insane number of pros. And he was saying, why is it that a little country uh, is producing more pros, like high quality, world class, arguably pros than than the United States? Yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah, that's a great question, I think, actually. But it also applies to every other fucking country in Europe and not just the United States. I don't know why this has anything to do with the conversation about server population. Uh, this is a as far as I'm aware, a social slash cultural investigation because Denmark is not the biggest country in Europe, and yet it still produces more pros than any other European country. And so 
why don't we just ask that question back at Europe? Why is it that Denmark beats every other European country too? Like this doesn't have anything to do with the topic that we were talking about. So I have no idea why he brought that up. Like that was had anything to do with it, but that was one of his random points. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Um, well, I mean, I have thoughts about why that would happen to Denmark, but as far as relevancy to the argument, I think it's, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a side thing. It's kind of like a proof of concept. It's like, well, if this country can do this, then can't America do this? Right. And that's, that's like a, that's not really necessarily using anything as excuse. That's more like Denmark has a lot of positive reasons why they're able to produce this. Right. And I think and it just kind of shows we would what... have to tackle that at a societal level here, which is hard to do. Right. And I think Riot, Riot doesn't have any control over that, I guess I would say. Yeah. And or teams even necessarily. But I, I do think it's a it's a great example of like why player base is not the end all be all. And I don't think people should consider it the end-all be-all, but you need to then dig into why it's the exception to the rule as opposed to the rule itself and saying, like, everyone can can overcome their limitations. Just be Denmark. And it's like, well, what are they actually doing? And we don't doesn't get into any of that. Just says the United States should be more. Don't, like don't Sweden, isn't Sweden also kind of a hotbed of talent? Uh, I think for other games, too? but not necessarily for League. For League, they only have six... I think it's relevant for other games because like Finland, they were top of the world in, in Warcraft, right? Um, and so if you look at the Nordics as a whole in just gaming in general, I feel like just because Finland didn't yeah. choose the right games to focus on, like they did in exceptionally well in Overwatch, now that they're back to like picking popular games, they did exceptionally well in World of Warcraft. Like they had the, the two of the guilds that were accomplishing all the world's firsts. Um, and then like Sweden and Denmark and Norway... I think Norway has a number of like LCS top pros. Nuke Duck is the first one that comes to mind. Um, yeah, they have North Scarin too. Uh, Nico the Pico. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Proxy Fox, one of the first female like uh, LCS subs, who's maintained like very high rank. Yeah. Uh, on the Either way, all those countries, like you're saying, in other games compete very well as well. The Swedes are really good at CSGO for a long period of time. Even like Polish pros have been good. I think like a whole, like a whole number of, of Europe has countries that have stood out in different games. So I, I feel like that's like a Nordic thing in general, or like Scandinavia maybe, and it just has to be a little bit societal or cultural. Hey, let's right. uh, let's move into the calls now, unless you have Good any thoughts, right. Mark. Fine, I'll wrap it up with this whole time I, I had sidestepped the point of the actual statistical data because I wanted to go through his stuff. But if you just look at uh, you know roughly recent international success based off player base. Um, and like, let's say you just ignore the rest of the arguments. The most successful international teams or regions over the past four years would be KR, China, Europe, NA, and then the LMS in that order. And if you look at player base, it's China, KR, EU, NA, LMS, the exact same order, except Korea is better than China. And they have very clear advantages in their infrastructure starting out that catapulted them to the front. And now recently, China is starting to overtake them. Additionally, this doesn't just hold true for major regions. If you go through the data of who's expected to get out in wildcard tournaments, the international wildcard qualifiers from 2014 through 2018, the vast majority of the time, the team with the higher, that is representing the region with the bigger player base will win. And the only times, there's, there's about five times that that's not true over the course of the past five years, and three of those are from Latin America South, with KLG just drastically underperforming. So if you want to talk about how sometimes there's exceptions that prove the rule, the uh, LAS is is that exception, but every other time, basically the bigger region wins. So we, the best. So we performed exactly where we should according to the math, basically. Uh, if you follow the math, 
you ba- we've basically performed exactly where we should, and so does the rest of the world, sticking to this distribution. The best the best international or wildcard regions are Turkey and Brazil. And that's even given single elimination tournaments, which single elimination tournaments don't rank teams from strongest to weakest. They just choose the strongest team overall. And so, yeah, so, like, well, over time, I guess it evens out. But yeah. yeah, yeah, over time, it evens out. And basically the world, according to that stack rank graphic, if you just expected teams to win based off their player base, you would actually predict extremely accurately. Uh, amongst wildcard teams. I didn't check all the, the, the major regions because I didn't have time, but if you just stack rank their overall successes, it's actually the same. RO5 says we should compare player salaries to performance. I think that's a great thing to do too. If I, we knew player salaries. China would be like way high salaries and I guess decent performance now, yeah. But yeah, NA would I, be a short second for like, what the in hell? In no way do I think player base is the only thing. We have the money that we should be able to overcome this and stuff and we should have the infrastructure to overcome this. But to, to just go out there and pretend that player base doesn't matter is even stupider than pretending it's the only thing that matters. That's my takeaway. Well, I think we had a good discussion on it. I do want to get into calls. Mark, I already pulled yeah. two people. Uh, Great. Into Which the one was first? Uh, I think it was Rico. Um, so if you want to, you want to go check that out, but if you are just tuning in now, uh, feel free to join our discord, discord.gg slash Travis. You can put a hot take in there. Uh, we tend to veer away from questions a little bit, but since, um, Alden is on maybe some more questions about what, uh, the future CLG looks like with him at the helm, uh, on the coaching side, all that kind of stuff. So feel free to, uh, to do that. If you are a sub, by the way, it does give you access to the sub topic chat, um, and make sure that you're in one of the pleb calls or, or sub calls channels whenever we get into it. Rico Suave is here. Rico, how's it going? Hey, very well. Hey, uh, Hi, you, you're remind me where you're calling from again. New York City. New York City. That's what I thought. CLG fan in the house. Yeah. Right, what, right? Welcome. welcome. Are you a CLG CLG's fan from New York? Right. Yeah, of course. You don't see. Uh, I guess you don't see the picture. I'm with um, Hasha GG. Yeah, that's your Discord pictures, you and Hasha. Nice. Uh, thanks yeah. for being a Twitch sub. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Um, it's two topics for Weldon. Um, the first one I want to talk about, you know, I think something that every CLG fan wants to know, and that is how you, Weldon, will be improving CLG after having a terrible season. Should I answer that first and then go to the second question? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I guess obviously that starts in the off season. Uh, I think it's not like a secret that the manager has already pulled the team aside, you know, even after the the season ended and said, we we probably not take the same roster into the next season. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, scouting and number crunching and, and really, really busy work that's going on behind the scenes for that to figure out, uh, how to best field, uh, you know, potential players for next year. And then uh, a lot of like looking and trying to diagnose at what uh, problems CLG had this year. So I've looked through, I got access to the, to the LCS comms um, as soon as I signed. And then I've just overlaid them with the games and went back and started looking at the, at the games and trying to figure out kind of like what, what, was in, what were the main issues that the team needs uh, solved in terms of either roster moves or, or coaching things that, that we could solve in-house through coaching things that we can't solve. And we need to bring in like a different player, you know, to do that, pick it up, whether it's, uh, you know, lading or, uh, or shot calling or strategy related. 
And um, yeah, I, I don't know what your opinion is, but it seemed to me that that there's two really big obvious strengths that don't appear to be a problem. CLG's early game seemed to be really well structured and it was really clear that Rainover was a cause of that. Like he was a fantastic leader in the beginning of the game and always had a plan that he choreographed the team around and seemed to always gain advantages for that. And Stixe and Biofrost seem to top a lot of the NA statistics, even on a low performing team um, on a weekly basis, as well as like conglomerately over the, over the term. So I think that those were like, uh, telling because they reveal that that then the problem lays in the other stuff which is that of course mid game and late game decision making was just all over the place and it sounded to me like they had ideas they wanted to deploy but they just couldn't do it um they would still be debating stuff when teams would just make plays against them all right well it kind of goes to my second question that is uh do you plan on using young talent like wiggly um Weekly was what played the last two games of the of summer um, season summer and did pretty well. And you know, you see teams like C9 and Fnatic using young talent and showing great success. So now I get to do the political thing, right? Which I actually wrote down some things somewhere here before the show. You I'm not your, going your to have a little card to read. Changes. Um, but but to to talk about young talent, I think that what C9 pulled off was amazing and also not really from the viewer perception. They're like, oh, young talent, except that Licorice has been like beasting it in Academy and, and Challenger Series and Solo Queue for like a couple years. And if you talk to anybody who's played against him, they would be like, this guy is, you know, uh, crazy good. Um, so it's, I think that it's dangerous to say, okay, we're going to take a bunch of people from scouting grounds and sub them in, and then we're going to have a top performing LCS team that gets number two and goes to Worlds. You know, um, we're looking for really good players, period. Whether they're veterans or whether they're people who've never been on stage before necessarily, um so that's something by the way that i'm pretty confident at dealing with i've had um one rookie in my when i was a head coach i was head coach of tsm that was my only other kind of like uh, uh tenure where i was fully in charge of what was going on and for that roster i had vincent uh, biofrost um and i'm pretty confident that i can bring people up to stage snuff kind of quickly but i'm still that's still a risk right so i'm conscious of that uh and we're looking yes we're looking at new talent that hasn't been on stage as much as well as you know proven talent do you um uh go ahead mark so this might fall under one of those things that you have to give a canned response on but i know uh the clg community at least as far as i could tell had been asking for um some changes in the roster given the fact that the main roster was struggling and the academy one seemed to be performing pretty well and it wasn't until tony's removal uh that those kind of changes seem to have happened so uh just as a general philosophy do you find yourself more open to the idea of like trying people who are performing well on the academy system out into the main roster or are you still uh more of the idea that like you should be running like your main main core in one of my first ever positions on like a premier team which is clg 2015 i was adamant about internal scrimming and swapping people around I really tried to get Jay on the starting roster and to use the bench properly. In traditional sport, the bench is used as a tool to help players maximize their potential very effectively. And even if it doesn't show on stage, I fully intend to use the bench in practice. 
um, to make sure that we everybody hits their maximum potential. We've talked about that already as the team. Everybody who is wants to be part of the team next year is fully aware of that and on board with it. And we're only going to take players really that are like okay with being beaten by their opponent on the academy roster and therefore being benched as a result in order to motivate them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it doesn't show on the weekend, possibly, uh, you know, they've, they've like been motivated starting Tuesday and by Thursday they're better again. You know, we want to be objective here. And I think benches work best when they're transparent, meaning that there'll be really transparent criteria for how it is. I don't like it when like League of Legends coaches, you know, show up Thursday morning and they're like, okay, um, so we're going to put in this person this weekend because I feel like it, you know, or just, you know, just a sense of it or because of maybe it's okay sometimes because of mindset if the player is actually up to snuff. But it's really tough in eSport to say, I'm going to lose one game now so I can lose a bunch more later. Uh, and then throw in like a, a really bad player to replace a really good one just because of motivation, you know, because that bad player works really hard. I think that there is like skill, right? So even if a bad player works really hard, it's not necessarily that they're rewarded with a starting spot if the other person is just straight up better than them. Um, but it certainly plays a plays a part in training. Um, and... Uh, and and at some point you just got to say like sorry dude you're a horrible teammate and we're <laughs> we're just going to put this guy on stage because we just like we don't care if we lose or not like this this game is falling apart because you know you you can't be a nice person so well, yeah there is that limit i guess but well, yeah then, i i fully intend to use the bench um it looking at the contract database so i've been nervous because i actually think NALCS would benefit from a ton of roster swaps um, and talent movement similar, not as maybe as crazy as what we saw last year, but I feel like there's a lot of teams that just kind of underperformed. And I feel like it'd be good to sort of swap around a ton of players looking at the contract database. A lot of players are signed through 2019, which means that if we're going to see a lot of these like roster swaps, um, they're going to have to come through or roster changes, trades and, trades and buyouts and yeah, stuff. trades and buyouts and stuff. And, and ex- increasingly I'm hearing that buyouts are kind of leaving player contracts. It's more about trades. So uh, do you are you worried at all about the offseason if you guys want to make, as you've indicated, like there will probably be changes with CLG? Are you worried about a lot of talent being locked away in these longer term contracts? Didn't Echo Fox like straight up fire their players and nullify the contracts, just pay all of the amortization and then one month salary and just let them go? So if they have, uh, you just announced that on on the broadcast. Uh, there, I think there's I mean, still no, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Alltech and Adrian and and uh, uh, yeah, he yeah. um, yeah, means so, the ones from earlier. I mean yeah, the yeah. ones previously, yes. right? I don't, I don't mean the current roster. Jesus. Well, I mean the way you said all their players and everything. I was. I like, mean, Holy I mean, crap. I meant all those players who like you know, uh, it was it was Alltech and Adrian and Phoenix, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that contracts don't necessarily lock teams in as hard as you'd imagine. Like, I think it, I think no, it's no, no, a no. Local so, contract database lock. Yeah. 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 But so, I, I mean, obviously you can, you can, fire you can let people go and right. you can trade people, but if, I mean, let's, I don't think let's there's put it this way. Where there's not that many free agents. Lisa Suni, just chat, just chill out. There's, yeah. Or there's, Dardoch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. That would, that would be Dardoch. Really like well. the- um, <laughs> they're still on the contract database. Everyone calm down. Um, 
But there's not as many. It looks like there's not going to be as many free agents as last year because there's people signed to all these, all these multi-year things. Which is my my question to you, my kind of concern. Do you think? I think I think you should pull on an agent. I think you should try to get some agents on the show because they'll talk about this stuff like crazy. I'm only interested we're a, in. We're getting having, a lot of our data from agents, and obviously, that's I a can't terrible talk decision. About this kind of stuff, and um, I'm not going to give teams who are like fighting against us competitive advantages by discussing that yeah. kind of information but pretty sure agents like don't really care at all um you could get some juicy leaks and comment and if you talk to them you might see that there's a lot of like teams who are rebooting stuff i'm just not sure if we had an agent on the show how much they would actually say that's true and how much they wouldn't uh say that's is true yeah i'm not really sure either behind the scenes i heard like half the agents out there are like lying to team owners about uh offers they're getting and what player can go wherever so i they are lying like crazy yeah, yeah. so i am far less interested but still in, it's uh, like uh juicy rumors you know it's the twitch views i think yeah yeah well yeah, let's just have one show that's all about lying yes yeah Get exactly a bunch of agents on um but so are you can i mean are you able to say yes or no if you're concerned about the ability like player i'm not concerned about the i think that there are some teams that are going to completely explode, like sign one player from the previous roster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not including TSM in that list. Stop okay. saying it, chat. Yeah. This is actually, I'm thinking of a different team, just yeah. FYI. All right. Oh, be careful but, with that. Else, else, they'll just keep suggesting teams and you'll keep denying it until you deny yourself. Into I'm just going to deny yeah. TSM because that's yeah. the only team I care about protecting, you know? Jesus. Okay. NCLG, uh, obviously. Yeah, good save. <laughs> By default. <laughs> Fucking TSM agent up in here. Speaking of agents, Rico Suave, any final thoughts on the way out? Um, just more like a favor. Well done. Please give CLG some wins because I'm tired of going to those Madison Square Garden viewing parties and just drinking a freaking pitcher of beer. No <laughs> loss. We'll do our best for you. Yeah, and the, and at Madison Square Garden, those pitchers of beer are not cheap. So uh, thank you so much, Rico. Well, thank you guys. Have a good. One. All right, uh, moving on to the next color. That was a fun one. Um, uh, do you want to do the mystery sponsor, or you want to do a caller? We can do one more caller. Okay. Um, let me shout out some people: Recursion TV, Mick Hustler, Netter and B, uh, Odd One Villain God gifting a sub to Razzleplasm. My moose is loose with a tier one. Real Fox, you gifted a sub to Mind Games Weldon. Congratulations, Mind Games Weldon. Uh, I shred Lee for three months. Uh, Davros26, Industrial Christribution, Space Goats subbed. 11 months for Rico Suave, who was just on the show. Thank you. Uh, Brisky is joining us. Brisky, where are you calling from? Brisbane, Australia, mate. Okay. Well, I'm glad you added the mate there at the end. I would not have <laughs> believed you otherwise. So <laughs> Sweet. glad you got that in. What uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I want to talk about how are imports really worth it? Um, such as players like Piglet that haven't performed over the years. And also if it's as simple as they can just coin flip on their performance. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like uh, imports are worth it, Brisky? No. I think seeing especially this year with C9, they've done really well in uh, the talent pool. Getting an NA talent out. Yeah. Um, and I think teams to do that more. Do you, uh, Brisky, before we go to, to Mark and Walden, I'm just kind of curious, like, do you think NA should stop importing or do you think they should do it strategically or just like, is it, is importing a trap? Like, what do you, what do you think? 
I feel like it can just be overrated and it's not as simple as bringing in a world champion to a team and he'll carry them to the next world championship. Yeah. That maybe teams are overlooking what they need on their team specifically. Okay. Well done, Mark. Thoughts on imports? Um, uh, I'll go first, I guess. I think the, one, the ones who are overrated are overrated and the ones who are not are not. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Uh, I think, especially earlier on, I think there was this kind of feeling for Korean imports in particular that, like, you just kind of got them. And, and I don't think people really, really, like, thought about how it would impact their team and stuff like that. Um, as well as the fact, to be fair, it's hard to do the same due diligence on a import player than you can do on a native player. Where, like, um, when we signed Piglet, we didn't do any real due diligence other than like talking to some of the other players and what happened on SKT after 2014 where they had a pretty bad year and like what some of the causes were. I know Steve talked to some of them, but we didn't get to like practice with him at all or anything like that. Whereas we also had scrims with Keith McBrief and we were able to determine if we liked him or not and how he would fit with our team. And so we ended up he ended up being our sub that that year and ended up subbing in for Piglet. But we were able to do way more due diligence on Keith because we had the opportunity to. So it was a little bit of both back in the day. And I think both of those elements are getting better nowadays. I mean, I think what wasn't Serif the first Korean import? Serif was the first. And uh, there was to be f- no due diligence done there, if you, if you ask me. I'm pretty sure there, there was. I, I don't know who was running CLG at the time and who was coaching it, but I certainly <laughs> did not work very well. I think uh, go, go ahead. Mark. He said Continue. there was due diligence. He interviewed him at uh, the not the LCK, but what was it called then? OGN. OGN. Yeah, I mean, like Monty definitely talked with him and got to know but him. Was it the bit. first? Wasn't Slan doing it in the Challenger series like repeatedly to get, to derelate to like promote teams and sell them? No, that was after. That was after Seraph. Yeah, I think. The f- the first import was from Korea was Seraph. The first import ever was, uh, uh, Edward in season three, and that was before they even had import rules. I'm pretty sure. I think those came about in in 2014, which is yeah, when Seraph came, came about. Over. I think as a result of LMQ, right? Yeah, LMQ well, no, LMQ, LMQ, LMQ and... was 2014 as well, actually. So I guess the import yeah. rules didn't come in until 2015. Uh, I think they might have started after, like it could have got announced during 2014. Nick Allen's on the chat. He'd he'd know. Maybe he'll. he'll Nick, why did you make these rules earlier, bro? (laughs) Anyway, uh, but let me let me ask you guys this question because I think a lot of people will be looking at uh, Power of Evil and Forbidden, who are both you know star EU mid laners that came over here and didn't have a great year. Is that because of the import? Was that because the teams they were on, like? What is the lesson to take away there, even whenever we see, you know, players that have been around for a long time, like Bergson and Jensen, who become staples of the NLCS? So I think to frame this argument, I think that there's like teams that do it wrong and teams that do it right. I think that the teams that do it right are looking at a rule that is pinched domestically. And they're like, it's really hard to get a, a laner or a, a position of this particular tier. Uh, so like you say, like, okay, these are the top mids, these are the middling mids, these are lower two, right? Let's say it's really hard to find a, a laner of this particular tier, you know, in this region, or it's really expensive. So we can like lower the pressure on that by, by going abroad and looking for somebody who's equivalent, um, and, and like save money or 
spend money if we wanted to, but we can't, we can't grab somebody else because he's already snapped up. So I think that that's like a smart way to think about it. I think that the teams that are going abroad and just saying these people are strictly better, like Mark said, that maybe was the case at some point. Um, but now I think it's not so much anymore. I do think that C9 is a horrible example of the contradiction of that because yeah. Jensen and yeah, Aaron yeah. are literally imports. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, so I think that, that imports are always going to happen in sport. And I think it's a beautiful thing because I love multinational al- uh, athletes and I love multicultural teams. Uh, and I think it offers people like great opportunities to to go to different places and and to, like travel the world and do what they want. I think like working with Expect on G two, like his he just loves LCS. You know, he loved the EU and he he's so excited to like try to find places to play again in the LCSs in the future. And um, people like was it Wadid who's like so? Uh, it was yeah. Ignar, yeah. Ignar went back oh, and was like, oh, I miss Europe. You know they. I feel like this is a beautiful thing to like recreate nationals who who like want to go to these places because that's where they have all these great memories. Um, yeah. So I think it's like just in principle, like a nice thing uh, when it's limited and controlled the way that Riot does it. Um, but yeah, this whole idea of like paying tons of money for somebody you think is better and then they perform worse is, uh, and then the team loses out on cash and performance is um, can be a problem. Yeah. Do you, do you think that? it relates back to that percentage of the player pools again, because, you know, Fnatic have all these European players. They don't necessarily have a Korean import that's carrying them. Whereas NA have to import to EU to get their jungle mid position synergy good. I think at heart, it's just a supply and demand thing. Like that's, it's all that's, that drives all of it. Um, yeah, which it kind of agrees with his, his question, right? Which is yes. Yeah. Like, it's just it's about somewhat the size of player pools is that maybe it's hard for us to create a fanatic type team from all in. I mean, you don't see Europe and Korea like importing a lot of players. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. So, well, I think another way to think about it too is like what Weldon was saying about like specifically p- pinched positions or not. Like, let's say NA total, like thinking about roughly has 25 world class players who won't get blasted. Uh, but some of those take up the same positions. So like you can't just take five and stick all five on a team. People are competing over resources. There's only there's 10 teams, 50 spots available. So like, you know, it's, it's hard to make a truly like world world class team uh, when you don't necessarily have the resources to do that. And that's why people try to do importing because you see someone perform on the world stage and then you say, OK, well, let's get that guy and then build a team around him. But you know, like Weldon was saying, that really undersells how difficult it is to build a winning team, I think. Yeah. Would that be like a good example would be uh, Clutch Gaming with Forbidden? I actually think the way Clutch approached it was pretty smart, all things considered. I don't think it actually ended up working out, but like they got a pretty self-sufficient bot lane, a mid laner. I think Clutch's storytelling and branding sucked. They have a pretty decent result for their first season if you wanted to tell that story in that way. Maybe the hype was too much around Forbidden. Well, it was also hard because they always took the way they found success was beating the lower teams. There was not too many times other than obviously when they beat TSM that people uh, felt like, oh, shit, this is a good team. So I mean, they were better than the lower ones, I guess. 
Yeah, but yeah. that's not a sexy story, right? Like, right. It's not, you yeah. want you want the guy but that comes out and is like some other story to tell. Yeah, dude, right? pulling like, upsets. To, to Weldon's not point, every team can win. Yeah, you can tell that story better because, like, if you leave it to Jat and I, we're gonna poo-poo him. Like, oh, they haven't beaten any good teams, but like, they can tell a much more human. Yeah, side yeah, yeah. That no, story. no doubt that Clutch could have done a better job of telling their story. I'm just saying, I I do think that they're like it, it narratively, like it's hard to cheer yeah. on like yeah we just beat optic again look at us you know like yeah it's- but like <laughs> it's not that hard dude you get apollo talking about how he's so frustrated for always being like looked down upon even though he has good stats like we haven't beaten those big teams and so like it's really important to me to like you know i don't care if i beat optic again i need to beat these guys and then you, yeah. you care about their matches versus the big teams more but like uh, opt but apollo's such a nice guy he'd just be like you know it's okay that they beat me this weekend i'll i'll try I know, I'll get that's, that's an apollo problem I yeah, guess. yeah. But, like I don't know. I think they, they could have done a lot more. And I 100%. Think their, team, their, their team had some problems, too. Like, I don't think that they had enough aggression on the map in the early game. Uh, and they kind of just sat back and hoped to punish bad teams, which worked out. But, like, they were really not great about generating their own leads and stuff. So, like, I think they did a, a decent job about, like, how they built their team. It just didn't really work out with, like, team dynamic between how Lyra and Febby worked and some of that stuff. So, like, but I, I don't know if you could have prepared for that. I don't yeah. know. Hey, to, uh, to the point of to the point of internationals, there's actually a lot of research in sports psychology on multinational athletes and like what are the barriers they face to success because this is happening in esport automatically and really quickly. But in traditional sport, it's like um, it's like kind of a newer thing, and they have a lot more problems than we do at pulling it off. Um, and they're it's just I mean they. Like if you looked at imports in traditional sport, you'd be like, "Whoa, we're actually ahead in how we how we do this," you know, with the translators and and um, our experience at it. I think honestly, this is a place where like traditional sport could learn from esport at this point because of our experience with um, putting together like the best teams globally. Um, but a lot of the things that that they've discovered, you know, throughout the years are, are pretty obvious to us. You know, like there's cultural issues with friction there's communication issues between teammates there's living issues and diet issues and homesickness and those things affect performance yeah. and team cohesion is important hey before we say goodbye to brisky i do want to uh, say one thing though which is uh, obviously i got flamed in chat earlier for saying power of evil didn't have a great year look i'm no doubt he had great moments and like had a, a good personal performance i do not think power of evil would look back on 2018 and be like that was a great year for me i really loved Really loved how 2018 went for me in NALCS. Like, regardless of if he was uh, doing everything he had to carry the team, uh, I don't know. I just I I get sad whenever I see imports that are on legendary teams come over here and then uh, struggle and not find the success they were hoping for. Brisky, any final? That would thoughts? be the same with Arrow as well. He didn't do too well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, nothing. Just thought I'd get your opinion on on if they're succeeding with the imports or not. Mm-hmm. Brisky, thanks for calling in all the way from uh, Oceania. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Have a, uh, have, have a good one. Thanks for gracing our ears with your accent. Yeah, exactly. All right. If uh, you're going to do the mystery sponsor, can I go use the restroom? Yes, yes, yes. Go for it. Much of this bubbly. Go for it. Sparkling water. Hey, guys. Right. It is time for me to talk about our mystery sponsor. I, I shouldn't make any promises. But I do well, think we're about to promise this. I do think there's a chance this is the last time you'll be hearing about mystery sponsor. And hopefully soon you'll hear about sponsor. Uh, but before before, as this is maybe the last time we talk about 
uh, them as, as just a mystery. I do want to thank them because what you guys might not know is like they, they basically came in and, you know, a lot of stuff to be done before we can announce them, but they wanted to support the show uh, for all these past weeks because they, they knew, you know, like, Hey, maybe, maybe everything wasn't ready yet, but they wanted to make sure uh, that Mark and I were still having a sponsor for the show. So I just want to thank uh, the, our mystery sponsor so much. Uh, hopefully soon you guys will hear about them. Uh, great, great company. It's been a pleasure to work with them in the build up to uh, what will hopefully be an announcement soon. So anyway, thank you so much to our mystery sponsor for the show it is not Nick Allen. It's not tidy cats. It's not uh, anything. No one has illicit. posted it correctly in chat. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, read off some folks while, while the news is the restroom and Mark goes off to check everyone's stuff. Uh, inspired oh, QT subbed Kelby resub for three months. Thank you, Kelby, for the three months of subbing. Stahill resub for three months. Radu dude uh, resub for two months. It says best show in A. Always get my Twitch Prime up. Uh, the Starfather resub for seven months. Omega Diamond Zinc five. Mechalore for eleven. Steve is going to throw the house at Faker Team Liquid World Champions twenty nineteen. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Real Foxy gift of sub to Nick Allen. Uh, Poro on Mars, send 100 bits. Uh, Zephyr Glucinamin, five months. Kez, 349. Shere NA for three. Shadow554 five, five, for three. And RxDealer89. We're just waiting on Weldon here to get back. Should be back Travis, in a second. What do you think the chances are that if either of us were a pro player, that the mystery sponsor leaked by now? It'd be pretty, pretty big. By the way, I think I missed this. I don't know why Streamlabs showed, uh, showed it up weird. Dragonic earlier, I think as the show was starting, sent $50 as a donation. Watching your vids and VODs ad-free for a while. They are the best. Continue making your content. Hope this makes up for it. Thank you. Draconic. I think it's Draconic or Dragonic. Draconic. The G and the Q look kind of similar. But if you're still here, thank you so much uh, for that. I hope I, hope I, uh, I didn't miss it. Uh, looks like Weldon is back. So you want to go for it? Pull the next caller. Hello. All right. Next caller is coming in. Brawler Yukon. Brawler Yukon, where are you calling from? Uh, Vancouver, Canada. Okay. So not from the Yukon. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Uh, where, whereabouts in Vancouver? Are are you in actually Vancouver prime or are you in one of the neighboring areas? Uh, just a neighboring city. Yeah. Okay. Is it, uh, Coquitlam? Uh, no, Burnaby. It, oh, Burnaby. Okay. I was going to go with Richmond next, but Burnaby was number three. Anyway, Brawler Yukon, what do you want to talk about on the show today? Okay. So my topic uh, or my hot take was that in league is a team sport, um, but the way that players uh, get recognized in the scene is through being really good at solo queue. And I think that's kind of backwards because I played a lot of sports in high school and club sports. And you're always on a team. So you learn how to cooperate with your teammates and your coaches. And yeah, so, but I think league players don't really get that because they're just grinding solo queue all the time. So let me ask you, Brawler, before we get in, do you think that players get discovered in Challenger or do you think they get discovered in Academy? Um, I'm not super sure because I'm pretty new to watching league and stuff. But from what I've heard from like, pros and stuff it's just like like i think licorice was on a couple episodes ago and someone kind of asked and he was just like just grind to challenger and eventually try and get to 
academy. Yeah. Uh, let's let's throw to Mark first on this. Mark, what do you think of all that? I think there's some truth to it. I think, uh, the, like, well, first off, I think, like you said, everyone always says, get to Challenger. Get to Challenger is your best way to get noticed, and that's absolutely true. Even if you don't go from Challenger to LCS, you'll go Challenger to Scouting Grounds or Challenger to an Academy team or something. And if you impress pro players, then they'll remember you. And when people are talking about who they can sign, oftentimes people consult their pros. And so the best thing you can ever do if you want to break into the scene is just be really fucking good at the game and stand out in solo queue. Uh, I think the larger point that Rollo Yukon is making about how the like isolated nature of solo queue makes it harder to tell how someone's going to be in a team environment is probably true. Cause I don't know how many of these guys, like you said, grew up even playing traditional sports or in, involved in team activities. Yeah. Like my biggest issue wasn't that it doesn't make good players, but I think it just leaves more room for conflict in a team because they don't really learn as much how to work as a team. By just playing solo queue because it's pretty toxic sometimes in solo queue. <laughs> yeah. Well, then do you have? I don't. Questions? I don't disagree uh, with that. The toxic in solo queue thing. Um, I think that there's a couple different underlying issues. The main one I want to address is is that there's a lot of people who are like messaging me and they're like diamond one, diamond two, diamond three, and they're like, I'm a really good team player. Like, help me re- get recruited for a team. And to those people, I say like. You need to be, there's a ton of people who are a challenger who are also really good team players. So like you being good at team play and macro and strategy is not going to help if you're a diamond player. Um, you need to be a challenger player. So if you want to go pro, get a challenger. Um, and if you're a crappy teammate, then you probably won't make it on the team. But there are plenty of people who are like decent teammates um, and who make it challenger uh, and then like get recruited. Right. So the second thing is like, well, how can we make it so that, uh, solo queue like develops or how does league of legends and riot develop better team players at the highest level so that there's not as many, maybe people in challenger who are risky bets because you pick them up and then they're just, they don't know strategy. They don't know leadership, or they don't know team, like how to play a role on a team and stuff like that. Well, then what if, sorry, really quickly, what if the way to do that was to occasionally hold these little mini tournaments you pay some money to get into it. You sign up with a bunch of friends and you go into like this little tournament at the end. Uh, and maybe it's like fight or bash or something like that. That's what it could be called. But do you think smash? Yeah. Something like that would be good. Yeah. Some, some sort of thing where there's like local or restricted live tournaments where you, yeah, you're rewarded to like join together with people that, you know, and one week you can lose to Johnny then you can train really hard with your team. And the next week you can beat Johnny. Like these are the things that trigger the mind in, in a happy way. We don't like this global faceless ranking system. Yeah. That's the solo queue ladder. Our mind doesn't understand that. We just see names and we see our ranking and that's all we care about. We don't, they're not people to us, but if you like, if you're the, big fish in a little pond instead of the little fish in a big pond like it works better to like progress it feels better and you can develop you can have a reason to develop these like team-based skills um but there's also something that you said that's kind of dangerous which is like um these teams uh, have a lot of conflict and um that's actually good and fine a lot of the teams that i go in i have to promote conflict because they're too repressive about it i think conflict resolution skills managing conflict stress 
like managing rugged competitive environments those are the more important skills than like not fighting with each other um and i don't mean that people should flame each other i think that like suppressing your own uh what you want to say to other people in order to say what your teammate needs to hear to perform better instead of what you want to say like that's a really good skill to learn um but yeah on that on that topic that was something that came out in one of the tsm legend videos where like at one point mythy kind of popped off at the rest of the team uh and a lot of people were like actually happy he kind of did because finally people were saying what they thought the real issues were as opposed to like potentially avoiding those so i'm sure you've seen that a ton of times on teams you've coached yeah yeah it happened all the time in g2 and then our performance got boosted so high after we'd have one of those big team fights (laughs) is there a like a trick if a team is in a rut or in a slump or just not progressing to like force that in a healthy way is is there some uh you just I don't go know in there and you're like you go in there and you're yeah. like who he uh biofrost said you smell yeah um, just start random fake rumors and he said you'd never bring it up in the middle of a of a you can have session. team talks where you sit them all down around a table and just like force them to talk until it actually comes out uh, and everybody's crying at the end you know after like five hours <laughs> whatever which has happened but only with my like only with my european teams with g2 basically because like yeah. you know Everybody in Europe is just much more emotional, open to their emotions. Yeah. than our us repressed Americans. Um, but, um, then I think the, the, the best way to do it is with boot camps or changing the setting. Uh, like teams want to do resets, right? They talk, you talk about the honeymoon phase when you bring on a new player. Uh, they do that because they're trying to break the mold and address some of these issues. And then, and then it does it, it like changes something and then they can reset, but you can do that without changing players by doing a boot camp. Uh, a lot of times, or by the way, what we did in TSM 2016 was we would have um, positional coaches come in from the from other teams to like talk about what they saw. So, for example, one time we had Golden Glue come in and he watched some scrims and he commented on it. Like, this is what happens in our team, whatever. And then another time we had another pro Are you on loan. Oh, sorry. We had another pro. We had another pro on loan who came in. He's like, "Oh, you guys do this thing, but we we don't ever do that. But we do this thing, and you guys are like really pent up about this and don't talk about it at all." And those offer some soft resets because you get perspective, right? So yeah, there's all sorts of ways to do it in teams that are not used enough, probably. Uh, as much as le- at least shuffling the roster, you know, it's the most common one. Brawler, UConn, any uh, any other th- thoughts or questions? Uh, no, that's it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I love the show, so keep it up. Yeah, thank you. We'll keep holding it down in in Vancouver. Thanks. Have a good night. Yeah, have a good one. I have a a follow up question to Weldon. I guess a little bit about. I don't know if there's an equivalent in the European scene, but for North America, there's like the collegiate circuit. Uh, what are your thoughts on the collegiate as like a means to develop talent? I I'm kind of negative on it. Where I don't, I think it's something that most great players will probably end up skipping over. Uh, and for the most part, isn't that useful, but I, I didn't know what, what you thought. I think it would be a lot more useful if League of Legends was a solved system strategically and you could coach it in a developmental way and everybody knew how to do that and coaches knew how to do that. If you could take an athlete and you could be like, okay, you're this rank and I know effectively how to get you to the, this rank because it's been done before and we have a system where we know what drills to run and, and, like, um, and then we build a team out of it. But it's not that kind of game, and, and and even even if we were to semi-solve it, it changes all the time. So then that all of our progress is kind of erased. 
So no, I think it's basically like, yeah, just kind of a distraction in order in, in terms of like pro play. It's like, whatever. Um, I think it's really, really great for league because grassroots competitive esport is the future. Everybody wants to be a player, right? And college affords so many other people to have the LCS experience than just these 40, um, wait, five times 10, 50 people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, so, uh, so yeah, so I think it's an awesome thing, but like, as far as uh, what we do in the pro sphere, it's, it's just kind of a thing that happens over there. By the way, the subtopics chat is moving kind of slowly tonight. If you're a sub and you have a, a take, now's a good time to throw something in the mix. Uh, Mark, you want to go grab our next caller? Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, some more shout-outs to subs. We got... I just, I just keep spamming my emote in chat. Okay, good. Yeah, that, maybe that'll help. Uh, SamFX99. Three months, Skiller V2, two months, F and chat for lost two OD5 promos. Benjamin, uh, eight months. Hey, Travis, really excited to see you got sponsored, but I can't believe it's not butter. Congrats, man. That is not the sponsor, but I do appreciate this uh, as, as we're moving. They're on. evil. I was looking at their ingredients in the grocery store last week, and uh, I couldn't find a single one that wasn't just like straight up palm oil the whole way through. Are you, is palm oil bad? Um, usually it's super, super refined into something that's pretty unhealthy for you. They take out all the good stuff. I think palm oil from a palm. No, not from my palm. Palm tree, like straight up, maybe isn't that bad for you. But Master Namer. And then, and then they burn down the rainforest to grow. Yo, so that's ma- the real thing. Master Namer. Where are you calling How's from? How's it going, Travis? I'm calling from South Australia, Australia, mate. Okay. It's an Australia Adelaide, show actually. now. Sorry. It's an Australia yes. show. Yes. What do you want to like talk about on the show today? There? Um, it is 3.53 p.m. right now. So it's prime viewing time for yes, I I a lot of Australians. Jeez. Yes, it yeah. is prime viewing Except, time, yeah. especially for those with Twitch Prime. Master Namer, what do you want to talk about on the show today? Okay, so I want to talk about... I was actually talking about them before uh, in the Pleb Cause 1. And it is so... My... The reason I'm bringing this up is because in uni at the moment, I'm starting coaching and secondary p- uh, teaching. And I've coached a lot of basketball teams, traditional sports, like just like uh, high school level and stuff. And I'm asking him, so there's a methodology and pedagogy around coaching, which I don't know if a lot of the current coaches have actually learned or like looked into. So I'm asking Weldon, You've worked with a lot of coaches. Do they actually know like the methodology and pedagogy around uh, coaching or are they just smart minds who try to get their idea across and sometimes they're just not efficient or like don't control the environment a lot? So like one example is might be Loco Doco in that when he started with TSM, moved to Liquid, where he might be a very smart person, but something goes wrong along the process and it just snowballs out of control or he just handles situations incorrectly. What is pedagogy? It's like a philosophy of like how you teach. So depending on like, you can like, depending on age, uh, level of competition, the way you approach individual players and teams is different. So young ages, you would take more controls to teach as a coach. Older ages or like higher um, elite levels, you would kind of uh, try to focus more on the player to like self-coach along the way, give them more. Mm. Uh, power, but you provide the structure for them to improve. Razzleplasm, 
has a great definition in chat. His pedagogy is an academic discipline, which is the study of how knowledge and skills are exchanged in a structured yeah. manner. It's much better so, than the yeah. other definition. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That, that's, it's, it's a tricky one. So, but it's good. no, most coaches just kind of figured out on the fly. And luckily, um, yep. pedagogy is kind of, is kind of devolved from, you know, experiential learning. Like they, we observe real life and we develop theories and we test them and we codify them. So you can learn this stuff in the wild. If you're reflective, if you're a reflective, they call them reflective practitioners where you do something, you reflect on it and you're like, Hmm, what worked and what didn't. And then you change stuff. So there are people who just blindly kind of just bleh, without ever changing anything. And those people are never going to grow or learn. Um, and then there's coaches who like learn automatically autodidacts who just kind of like pick it up as they go along and, some of them learn faster, some of them learn slower. To my knowledge, not a lot of people study coaching pedagogy, like officially. Um, some people read books, like popular books mostly, not really um, you know, science-based books or coaching science-based books. But yeah, I think, I think that you can really clearly see the coaches that have picked it up along the way. Like St. Vicious, for example, probably has a wealth of experience from his military career on pedagogy and leadership, yep. uh, pedagogy of stuff, whatever. And he's and he's able to deploy that, you know, as, as a coach. Um, and other ones are a lot slower to pick it up. I was working with Song on TSM at with uh, like doing coach training with him for the week that I was out there at the beginning of the split. And he was really interested. He hadn't like really thought about or heard about like coach development before. Um, in terms of, it's kind of like natural in Korea. Like you learn how you should mentor people who are below you from people above you. You're constantly mentored and then you mentor people below you the same way and you kind of learn that societally. So coaching in Korea is kind of like taught automatically uh, in a way, but we don't, yeah, we don't do that much here. Gotcha. Uh, does that answer your question, Master Namer? Uh, yeah, it, it does. It, uh, good insight into how different types of people and their backgrounds, how they pick up on how to coach. Yeah, uh, that's also very good. Um, one more, just small question: How does that the um, language barrier with song? How would that have affected like how he's able to implement ideas and like the plans, or, like the the way he approaches coaching? Because the way I yeah, song. So the coach oh, of TSM, he speaks English. So like, oh, so oh, was, he speaks English very well. Yeah, there wasn't really a barrier. He had a translator oh, okay. in the spring split because he was nervous, but mm. yeah, he speaks English. Interesting. Oh, okay. No. Awesome. Right. I wish I could add more, but I'm still trying to learn pedagogy. So, uh, thank you, though, Master. <laughs> uh, cool. Have a good, have a good one. Oh, yep. All good. Interested in the second question or? Oh, do you have a, you have a second question? Topic, but I think <laughs> Travis, it's your call. What? Uh, yeah, do sure. Go for it. Okay. It's, it's about uh, Reddit rumors. So I know Travis might find this one juicy one. Um, so the second question is, so there was a Reddit thread, like two actually about TSM pursuing Turkish talent, broken blade, top laner. Um, a lot of people reacted badly to this thinking oh, TSM was abandoning NA talent. And some people are like, well, if they find the Turkish talent to be a lot better than NA talent, why not? And with Thorin's video comment that came out a couple of days ago uh, on Firebase and like talent production, 
just wondering what you guys think. I just that. like the idea that people are reacting like, yo, dog, TSM's ditching NA talent. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's 2018. They ditched NA talent a long time ago, guys. Like, they're going to try to find the best players they can no matter in the world. I, I had not clicked into that Reddit thread, but if people are shocked that TSM is pursuing non-NA talent, then I don't know where they've been for the past couple of years. That's... <laughs> uh, I think it's funnier that there's like like five threads on the front of the TSM subreddit all like trying to track this rumor and they're like, oh, he's streaming now. Oh, he's not in NA. Oh, where is he? Yeah. <laughs> the level of obsession it's, about these weird rumors is hilarious. It's like the Seraph thing all over again. That dude came in and everyone was just like, hey, did you know he's Challenger now after with this win rate at this time and all that stuff? Yeah. Ugh. So sorry, what was the ultimate question like? Okay, so ultimate question is: Are TSM doing NA a disservice in trying to create uh, or like foster homegrown talent instead of? But they're not even they're at, doing it. Yeah. Oh, oh. Not, as in, like, but are they? In general. Trying, okay. Yeah. If they're looking at more European rookies, are they like kind of dogging their own region here, or should they be looking for NA talent and fostering that like C9 did? It's not any professional team's job ever to have to develop talent for somebody the job of a pro sports team is to win the job of developmental sports teams and amateur sports teams and challenger level sports teams is to develop talent and coddle people and be nice and and like your job as a gm is to produce the best roster for the, the price and you can say um, take the uh, New York Yankees approach and spend a lot of money to develop a high level of performance and win a lot. Or you can take the, like there's a couple NFL teams because of the way franchising works there that like they try to get the highest level of performance for the lowest amount of money and then like use franchise to their benefit to like make a lot of money that way. So like your definition of like best performance can vary, but your job as a GM is not to cater to, is within the rules to maximize your potential. Um, and like anybody who's, yeah. And then, of course, they should probably PR it if they're getting attacked for this, you know, in, in a negative way. In a, uh, and it's the fans duty or not duty, but obligate, not obligate, whatever. You can you can complain about it if you want. But like it's the sports team's job to win and they should they should do the best. they possibly Especially can TSM, by the way, who has just built a brand off of winning. Right. Like, I think they lost a lot of fans this year. The first year they couldn't deliver finals performances. And so I. Sorry like, about that. Yeah, I tried. Well, <laughs> I failed. And now you're on CLG. Everything's going to be great. Um, but I like I in my mind, like just people, just TSM fans, just want TSM to win. I don't think they're like, hey, has anyone else noticed that Bjergsen? I don't think he's American. What's going on here? You know, well, like they just want players that are going to smash faces in. So if Americans want Americans to be good at league, they should go and train. So look. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really there. Uh, well, the other thing too is, like, well, then was saying the job of the academy league is to find and develop talent. Arguably, the plus side is, is if they succeed, they are arguably they are improving the North American scene by bolstering its talent pool because they found this talent. And when he goes and smashes, let's say it works out and he smashes academy, um, come the end of the year, come some contract time, like they're gonna have to pick between him or Sven or Miffy or whatever it is. And then if they don't go with him, the other guy's back in the, into the, the pool. Um, and so maybe they, they find this guy, he's a stud, but they don't have a, a spot for him. And then someone else picks him up. Like who knows a lot, a lot of stuff can happen. So like 
any org that is doing a good job finding and developing talent should probably not be getting criticized just because it's not North American talent. Yeah. I especially like, I don't care if golden guardians goes out and it's like, yeah, we're going to have an all American roster and then people flame them as they import a, a player who goes back to Korea before the end of the split. But if, <laughs> if, uh, if it's, it's like great. TSM who has like a pretty long history of being open to imports, I don't know why people are shocked about that. So, Anyway, hopefully that answers your question, Master. Anyway, no, I couldn't agree more. That's yeah. exactly my viewpoint, and uh, yeah, just well said, Travis, as always. Anyways, uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, first well, time trying to get on, so I'm actually pretty proud of having two questions answered. I'll yeah. be back next week, definitely for sure, though. Okay, well, thank you, thank you. Have a good one. All right, sip. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the next caller. Uh, let's see who we got. Uh, Ogoliath with the, the prime sub. Ryu Jikid. Kyle0808 returning. My number one sub gifter of all time returns. The three gifted sub. Rooks, Zahir, Dupolian, and then Hold the Door. Three months. Says I'm still auto subbed. Smiley face. Amoxic is here. another Aussie. Amoxic. Sorry. Where are you calling from? SoCal. SoCal. Okay. Hey. So much closer than Australia. Yeah, I actually uh, met you at the season two worlds like group stage. I remember that it was yeah. so. I was great City bumping next into to you. EU. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a good time. You were wearing what was that shirt you were wearing again? I'm trying to remember. The black polo. Yep, the black polo. Wait, does he? Since you're in SoCal, does that still count as oceanic? Can we keep this this streak going? No, three oceanic. I, I think not in the thousands slides. of miles between. But the ocean is right there. It's the same ocean. Amoxic. It's a circle. Do you want to? What do you want to talk about on the show today? Well, my question's towards Weldon. Um, how do you plan on taking uh, CLG's problem of having the best players in the West, only to see them leave and bring other teams to fame? For example, Double Lift, Afro, Smithy, Poe Belter, and sticking with seemingly bad decisions such as Huhi in the mid lane, Darshan after he's been his prime, and uh, Rainover, who's a great jungler, but he's more of a PVE, not really playmaker so spicy how do i how what do i think about them doing that or how do i plan to stop them from doing that or what's the question yeah basically how do you plan on tackling this problem that clg seems to have of well they basically had clg got to the end of 2015 and then they fired me a week before finals uh and then they choked when they got to worlds by the way uh, fired me and then Pobelter and then Double Lift. I think that was pretty freaking stupid. And well, did going in on his current that. employer, he's like, they signed me to a three-year contract. I didn't, I didn't see any non-disparagement clause in there. I couldn't be like, don't fire me. Uh, yeah. And also, I didn't tell them. To, like, I wanted them to sub in Jay uh, and give him a chance at some things, you know, and like like that. But they were just like, nope, Pobe's gone. Like. Who he's starting. Okay, fine. And they were like, yeah, this guy too, you know, who just won us the split in bot lane. Goodbye. Who, so, wait, who, know, was, was, who was that at the time? I'm trying to remember. Oh. Oh, he oh he was on CLG. I'm trying I just kinda of, I forgot about that. That's yeah, funny. I know the CLG. I mean what? the uh pull belter track? thing is it's kind of bad, but like with double lift, I know he had like his issues being a team player, but you let, you dropped him who was like a company man and you kept Afro. Who then, like, I, what, two years later leaves for money? Him. Why are you saying you? 
Well, not you. But I told CLG. You, maybe that's why they fired. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm. You represent CLG, CLG now. now. Okay. Now I represent you CLG. You are CLG now. Yeah. Uh, well, now if I'm in charge of the roster, I don't, I don't have to do silly stuff like that. So, um. That's so about, yeah, those were stupid decisions. And then, then they lost uh, Afro, who apparently was such a good mid and late game shot caller that the void that he left was still like. I imagine it was like the ocean, like draining in, you know, before it explodes to like fill in the vacuum. Like it was still just like sucking in all of that water that was left as the as the shot caller left. And so then, uh, yeah, then they didn't ha- they didn't have a any sort of mid late game shot calling, which I think led to this season. It seems so. Yeah, some pretty silly decisions. Will you, you will you be more successful more, uh, than your your previous? And the, the previous decision makers at CLG? I so the way that I make decisions is I look at like who the better players are and I'm just like we're gonna we're gonna keep this player. And if somebody on the team has a problem with that player, we figure it out like sports teams figure it out by using the bench, by doing conflict resolution, by uh like you know, hashing it out. And in the offseason we make trades for the good of the team, uh according to uh, like what our holes are in terms of like our strategy and our performance. Um, and if somebody's a good fit or not, is kind of second question. Um, so I think that, I think that I am a big fan of player power in esport. I think that like, there's a huge problem in traditional sport with players not having enough power and coaches abusing their power, especially at the developmental level. And like abuses can happen and bullying can happen. And some coaches are stupid and and some players like have a better idea of what to do. And I think like, it's great that from the grassroots level players have developed and have been like, they had full power over everything. Right. And they were slowly handing off their power in, in exchange for like higher levels of performance. Right. First we've got a manager. Okay. And then we'll get, you know, like a coach and then we'll like empower them to control us in terms of contracts. Then we'll get an org that can manage all the other stuff, you know? So they're like slowly handing away power in order to perform better. Now we have an ecosystem. It's kind of like self-sustaining and the players are kind of stuck in it. I think this is one case where like, if you have a bad coach, the players should be kind of like in charge of figuring stuff out. Um, I think Luca perks built all the rosters at G2 and he's done a fantastic job of conquering um, Europe and going to worlds and, you know, touching your mic. Sorry. Um, but like, but then there's some cases where it's like there's favoritism, right? And that's just stupid. You don't determine rosters based on kind of who you get along with and who you uh, enjoy hanging out with. Um, that just means that you need to have somebody, you need to have better infrastructure from the people. You should demand the coaches solve the problems. I think this is a, a really interesting uh, angle because I didn't know you thought this way because I, I think it's the kind of thing where there's actually a fair amount of different opinions in the scene about you know the role of coaches exactly in League of Legends if they're cause some people like you said like the coach in traditional sports has a lot more power um, and some people want to see a league more like that and some uh, think like you said it should be more player driven and I think that's really interesting because I, I've always had the opinion that like it league is a player's game in a lot of ways like you hear basketball is a player's sport in a lot of ways. And I feel those two are pretty close. Whereas like football, it's not really a player's game. There's so many positions and so much going on and stuff. Uh, so I think that's really interesting that you put so much emphasis on, on the players and especially player skill uh, as being one of the, sounds like the most important thing to you. It's the thing that takes the longest amount of time to develop. 
So it's really easy to help change behavior related to mental resilience in the short term um, and communication with a teammate and to build bonds like pretty rapidly. But you can't like take somebody who's not at a top level and get them to a top level within an esports season, like within a within a 12 week season um, mm. as a as a as a lead coach. It's very difficult to do. So if you have somebody like, you know, Doublelift, who is just really good, uh, or you have somebody like Pobelter, who, so the situation in CLG, this was like years ago, right? 2015, uh, throughout the split. Uh, so, so what happened was, right, uh, Link Mars and Marcel Dexter left. They brought in Smithy and Pobelter, and they tried to bring in Jay at the beginning of the split, uh, at the beginning of the split so that they could share time. The discussion was, you guys are going to share time. We'll see who the best mid is. But there were visa issues with the Huhi. So, so Pobelter started the first two weeks of the split, like straight in training and in scrimmages and then uh, and on stage. And then um, once Huhi got there, they, the main roster didn't want to split time anymore. They wanted to like develop synergy. Um, and at this time, I was a sports psychology trainer working with them so i wasn't empowered like in terms of like coaching a roster until i was there for the boot camp and kind of like had a lot more influence on like how it was they were training which was like later in the split but at this time they like they had the clg black roster and so who they basically put who in charge of that this was think card and who else was on that team i don't remember that, that season but anyway who and think card are the two i remember i think and, was six a on that team yeah oh yeah and six a yeah yeah because they promoted him directly from it, yeah. Mm. And with that roster, who he was able to in internal scrimmages like beat the main team really consistently, uh, just through sheer force of will, like with uh, interesting and and in innovative creative macro, um, with like laning prowess. Not in his lane, he he seemed to always lose to Pobelter, but he would like um, at that time, right? He's he's improved in laning fantastically. Then I don't even know how I rate him now in NALCS, but statistics you can look it up uh but like um but like at the time you know he was he was doing the same thing he does now you know like empowering his team and like making creative plays with 2v2 in the jungle and anyway the point is he was he was showing very well that he could lead a team of inferior players to beat the main roster so there was a strong argument for him to be like sharing time with Belter, and i think that would have been a great idea but like we just i think nine zeroed playoffs with the roster that we had um Right in quarters, semis, and uh, uh, finals, or was there a buy then? Was it a uh, there? Was, there was a buy then, but you we didn't have it. No, you did have it. So I think you went because because we played three out, three out. You, we played you guys in the last week of the season for the buy, and we thought you guys <laughs> inted on purpose so that because it set up the bracket, so we had to play TSM in semis, and we thought you guys like we're like man, they probably threw that game to dodge TSM, and then you meet them in finals and shit them anyways, but whatever. Um, yeah, no, I think there was a lot of development and growth in those three weeks. I think actually we were just at that level. We did not end that, that game. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but yeah, but then I don't know. I just think that the, there were really silly decisions about the roster because, because they didn't really trust they could run a substitution system. And I think that, um, I think that, like, honestly, I think that maybe Doublelift and Aphromoo had to break up because they were just stale together. You know, they just, maybe they just literally couldn't be partners anymore, which I understand because that role is really intimate. 
um, and at, at a level that is like uncomparable in traditional sports. So like, I kind of understand when one part of a duo has to just peace out. Um, but it just, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. I think that I would do everything I could to hang on to a talent that was proven championship level and work on seeing what their cap is. And then if it's, if it's like, we can't like, for example, TSM 2016, if we can stomp NA, but like, just like have these issues with group stages, you know, like make small changes, make adaptations, swap a player here and there, but don't like erase the entire coaching staff and like half of the roster that got you to that. Although they did win the next split, but I think that was mostly luck to be honest. Well, and six eight popping the frick off. I was gonna say. Then they went on to MSI and had the greatest run ever. Yeah, yeah. What they, do you mean? They, yeah, really? that was like six eight carrying the team to a, a season. Who he looked good. He brought out the Aurelian Soul uh, pocket pick and who he did what he does really well that season. Yeah, with the echo too. Yeah, yeah that was beautiful to watch. Tony in the chat right now. By the way, throwing down. Hi, the Tony. <laughs> Tony, you're awesome. Honestly, Honestly we're really <laughs> lucky. <laughs> Those coaching staff, guys. they made all the wrong fucking decisions. Hey, Tony, what is up? <laughs> Good to see you, bro. We're all friends here, NA coaches. Uh, Amoxic. Tony. Amoxic, your you're drafts still here. are amazing. Tony drafts really well for the strengths of his team. Okay, good. Yeah, recognizes you're, you're, their faults great. and then We're takes saving. them to the top. Good, good job, Weldon. Good save. Okay, uh, so I I have a different style of coaching than Tony because I prefer to like be like, okay, we're gonna play the best possible form of League of Legends, and if we suck at that, we suck, and so we shouldn't hedge ourselves and like we should try to be good at that. So I like to try to build teams and train teams to do that. Um, and of course I, that's wrong because at points you have to be like, well, this is the roster I have. So we should learn a particular style that fits it. And like, we should draft towards it and we should try to see how far it goes. And like, uh, Tony does that really well. And that's why he goes to MSI finals and I get knocked out of group stages in 2016, you know? So, cause we're trying to play that, that game. Amoxic is other here. teams are better at it. Uh, still Amoxic, any final thoughts or anything? <laughs> I know we talked around you for a while. No, uh, I think he pretty much answered it, um, aside from just future roster changes, but I don't think he could really touch on Yeah. Cool. Hang on, I have my political statement here. I will cannot comment on a specific roster change. Very good. Uh, right, well, thank you. Thank you, Moxic. All right, uh, All moving on, we've got three more callers to go. Uh, as Mark runs off to grab them. Uh, okay, so we don't we haven't had any more subs. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna try an experiment If you are watching the VOD right now on YouTube or on Twitch pause the VOD and Then and then we're gonna do this thing. Sorry uh, demon princess. I know well, just give me one second to do, finish this bit What is this? I don't just finish. So if you were because we didn't have any subs So if you're watching the VOD or the YouTube pause uh, the video right now go sub to my channel and then unpause, and you'll get a custom message. All right. And break for the pause. Okay, we're back. You know Thank you for, so much for the sub, loyal Twitch and or YouTube viewer. It's really oh nice that you God. decided to do this anyway, despite the fact we weren't live. You, as a VOD viewer, just supported the show. You're a rock star. Demon <laughs> Princess is here. Demon Princess, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from uh, Simi Valley, California. Okay, Simi Valley. Is California. that one of the places on fire? Right um, actually, I lived in Paradise and it burned down. So now Damn. I'm at a land center and see me hiding. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm so sorry. 
No, oh. it's uh, it's kind of what happens around here. I don't know if you've noticed the past few years, but I I just remember something. Sorry, this is relevant to the topic we were just on. I'm not actually sure that CLG let Doublelift go. I think he might have quit. Wasn't there rumors at the time that he was like going to move on anyway? No, they let him trying go. to poach Pobelter, or was it like he they actually like fired him, or didn't fire him, but were like we're getting rid of you? Uh, I remember they, it. They fired him. Okay. All right, you have inside information, so I'll trust you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. In the rumors, but yeah. Anyway, I, I'm so sorry, Demon Princess, to hear that about. Uh, I hope I hope everyone's okay and everything's okay. Yeah, uh, everyone everyone got out fine. We have insurance too, so it's not going to be. Luckily, we were prepared. I'm sure there were a lot of people who weren't. So yeah. Well, hey. Um. Well, apologies again, and sorry for that. Uh, is there? What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Um. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm now for something completely different, but uh. So my take is that I think Riot will begin making progressively smaller changes each patch because they had so many viewers for Worlds this year and it seemed like the viewership only went up as the new meta stabilized. And Riot's kind of unique in that like most games uh, don't keep changing radically the entire meta every half year. And a lot of teams often complain about having to play catch up for it. And I imagine Weldon can probably, you know, speak to having to play catch up to the meta every three weeks or so when a new patch drops. So I think that now with the franchising system in place and a lot of viewers, Riot's going to begin making smaller changes as opposed to flipping the entire game entirely on its head each year. And I want to parlay that as well into like, what would you want to see Weldon? Or like, do you think it's better for the health of the game and stuff uh, if they did actually start patching less? Because we don't really know what they're going to do, so it's hard to know for sure. But what would you like to see as well? I, I honestly, at this point, have given up, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> I always wanted League of Legends to be like CSGO, where you develop a particular set of skills, and then your job as a pro athlete is to, is to maintain it by making your practice regime very efficient. And so you can start to cut down your practice time and start to live a normal life and age nicely as a, as an athlete and maybe even compete into your late twenties and thirties as you get other distractions such as relationships and families and children and stuff like that. But like, it doesn't seem like league is ever going to be that game because of the constant changes. The primary skill of a CSGO athlete and a league of legends athlete are fundamentally different. The league of legends athlete, their job is to like, after every change to rewire their brain, to correct on like damage estimates and cooldowns and, and the new meta and the new champions and all the interactions and all of the stuff that you have to like learn with the patch and and change your reflexes in terms of like your visual you have this visual stimuli and you see it and then you process it and then you have this reaction and it has to be correct again after the change so that's a lot of like volume training you just have to beast it out in terms of like rewiring your neurons you can't just like think and be like okay now it's different you know you just have to you actually have to drill it and the only way we can drill because they don't have a practice tool is by scrimmaging over and over again so I think that's always going to be league. Even if they make smaller changes, it's going to mostly kind of be that way because they're never going to get to the point where they're like CSGO style changes, you know, where they're just like adding a gun and that's like the hugest thing ever for a year or two years and totally wrecks the pro scene. But um, yeah, so whatever. They can make small changes or big changes. It doesn't really change what we do on a regular basis. Uh, it will favor certain players who are good at refinement if they start making smaller changes and refine themselves like really cleanly in a certain meta to the top, I think that big meta changes favor people who are autodidacts and who like learn super well, um, like really fast, the new stuff. So I think that, you know, you'll see people 
increase and people decrease and maybe rosters will have to change as a result of that, but you had no particular preference. Oh, and God, if you, sorry. Well, then, well, then if you don't mind me asking, do you think that that generally is good for athletes in League of Legends? Because like the average League of Legends career is obviously a lot shorter than, say, the average NBA career, right? Do you think that the amount of constant changes and constant adaptations, do you think that's, in a sense, hurting your athletes? Or do you think that it's just kind of... It's, it's your definition of hurt. Of course, it's bad for career longevity and amount of hours training and everything. But like the game is interesting because it changes all the time and the game is based on the player base. So you got to keep them happy. Mm. So do you service the like 50 pros whose lives are kind of like being, I don't want to say ruined, but being like limited completely by training time and they can't move on with their lives till they retire. Uh, and they can't really reduce their practice time because of the way the game is structured. Or do you favor the millions and millions and millions of people playing, you know? I, and I think, yeah, Riot has made that decision. I think so. uh, it's an, we're at an interesting point though, where I I do even though I'm sure they'll blow up the whole uh, patch with uh, the whole game with the preseason patch, I would like to see them take a, a softer hand to it because I feel like people really do like this. Like, I, sorry, Demon well, Princess, I think, I, I think your your question was worded around like spectator stuff, right? Like, I think you were saying uh, that from a spectator perspective, it's really nice right now. Well, I, I think that. I think that the relation between the game that I'm playing here at the Land Center and the game that I'm watching being played in Busan, I feel like I can make a really easy translation as a viewer between those two right now. And I think when you look at the numbers that Worlds gets in terms of viewership, it bears out that other people have the same experience. So I don't know if like from, I guess, I don't know if it's a revenue model, but from Riot trying to get people's attention with the pro scene, if the current kind of ethos, the way that they're currently working with things like runes is already serving that well so they can dial back amount of changes that they're making it's a tough argument to be sure about how much was meta related i think everyone who was watching really enjoyed it but how much did that actually increase viewership is a different argument also because you had things like the west doing super well this year so you had increased viewership hmm. from from us you had uh the changes that happened with franchising as well as going back to best of ones in a single stream format which i think you can argue and have very good evidence to say that best of three and other things were hurting it and this is the rebound that you would expect by going back to a, a better viewing experience for the average viewer like there's a lot of things that happened this year that i would caution against saying it was meta related right I, I might have i might have kind of misspoken because i don't mean like the meta in terms of the right. comps i mean like the rune changes maybe like more fundamental changes well that's what that's what i was about, I was about to go is i think there's a couple of things that you can identify that people really liked about this world and one of the big things i think people loved about this world was skill matchups in solo lanes and i think it's been a long time since like amen we're so heavily decided by players individual skill for so long, it's about team comps and macro and like setting up team fights properly and team fight, team fight, team fight. And as much as that's cool to watch, that doesn't, like you say, translate to the average player that well. They care about laning matchups. And I think that's something that they should absolutely take away from this world's experience is like, you know, it, it makes the games very volatile. It makes them end fast. It makes things stompy. I get that. But people really like watching individual agency carry games. Yeah. I mean, I think I totally people also agree. like the team fighting. Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't want to go too far in either direction, but I think tanks, top lanes, and control mages mid are boring for the first 15 minutes of the game to the average league viewer. No, no, no. I, I mean, specifically, I just mean, I feel like there was way more fighting, way higher kill oh, games. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
all all of the just crazy aggression that we saw um, pop out after Vitality started playing, I thought that was pretty cool. As a viewer, this was the most action-heavy worlds that we've ever seen. How how do people feel about solo queue right now? Because that's what I mean. It's like <laughs> if if pro players are enjoying this meta and spectators are enjoying watching it. I don't know, like, is solo queue... I, I know everyone hates solo queue meta at all, any given point in time, but do people generally... Maybe Twitch check and helps me, help, uh, can sort of chat about this too. I'm just kind of curious, like, what how people feel about uh, the solo queue meta. Okay, everyone says it's the worst, but... I think one of the, the problems with the game is that a lot of the game's most cancerous champions kind of rise to prominence when solo like solo laning skill is heavily rewarded so like jace for example is something people hate uh and i think there's a lot of jace-esque champions right now but like i think i think that's the only complaint and to be fair people often are complaining about the meta no matter what it is so i don't yeah that's what i'm saying people are saying it's the worst meta ever so it's just uh par for the course with every other meta yeah yeah all right well i don't know i don't know Either way, thank you so much, Team and Princess, for the call. Any final thoughts on the way out? No, just uh, thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed this discussion, and I love Hotline League. Keep thank, it up. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good one. And, and best of luck with all the stuff that happened. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. The comments about Victor ruining top in chat. Um, we actually global banned Victor at the scouting, scouting grounds. grounds. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Which was in the first intro to this show, which... Everybody in the VOD is not going to hear. Yeah. So I'm just letting you know that that is uh, definitely recognized. Rylicious, 26 subbed. Uh, Nutella Bananard, subbed for two months. Kaiman, 73. Uh, ZXWB, Jubes for four months. And then Anonymous, donated $14 and says, thanks for the great work, Kappa. So, I don't know if the Kappa at the end is supposed it. to mean that's not great work. Kind of confused. Jay-Z is on the show. Jay-Z... Um, Jay-Z? Yeah, yeah. What? Like, uh, actually, Jay-Z. Yeah, yes. Jay-Z. I, I, no, I don't listen to your work, but I'm familiar with it. Yes. Where, you didn't sound like I expected <laughs> based off your albums. Yeah. No, no. no. Yeah. That, that's my uh, stage. Where's Beyonce? Yeah. That, that's my uh, stage persona. Okay. Uh, Jay-Z, where are you calling from? Uh, Miami, 305. Miami, 305. Yeah. What's up in the 305? Uh, what do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, my uh, hot take was uh, franchising will make EU work. All right, let's go. Uh, Jay-Z, do you think that NA, uh, before before you explain your take, do you think franchising made NA worse? Uh, yes. Okay. All right, well, let's hear the EU take. Well, EU take, like we're franchising, like a lot of the top players on the same team, mainly specifically like SOAS, on Fnatic would move want to move to another team, you know. Um, so they're gonna diversify a lot of their good players and make each team weaker. Hmm. So your concern is there'll be more money, and so more teams can take some of the top talent and split them up, and then uh, the best teams in EU will become weaker because those players will all be spread across other teams. Yes, and like uh, as we've seen, like the the players that stick together more often are like uh, example uh, TL. Yeah, Poe Balter, X Miffy, and um, Double Lift. They've been together before, and they did. And when they came back, they did really well. And all the other NA teams besides CLG like had a major roster changes. 
and they all weren't as good besides C9. Do you think there's a chance that EU teams that right now can't take risks on their roster or uh, trading out for like more rookie talent or people from the, uh, you know, lower leagues, do you think that there's a chance that they could do that now because they can take the risk and they can't, they can't do that uh, in a non-franchise world? Something like that. But I mainly think like rosters that stick together longer would do better. Yeah. I guess uh, my well, my point would be that in North America, we had a team that did better than any other NA team ever, and that roster only existed because relegation is gone. But there's no relegation in EU yeah, I, without I, franchise. Yeah, well, I guess that's fair. My point is around. Well, both both regions had their furthest runs ever, right? So, wait, what about season one, Mark? Uh, so it's kind of hard to use franchising Travis for either of them, I think. But I think you could, I think you can say that C nine probably doesn't fix as many problems as they fixed if they they had to be fearful of getting relegated. Uh, I don't know. Or Weldon, we should ask Weldon, who's actually yeah, coaching. That's why I was starting to him. Weldon, yeah. go. Yeah. What I I I fail to see how franchising will hurt performance in Europe, I guess. Well, do you do you think there's the a chance that so his point is, you know, look at Fnatic, top team, did great, stuck around for a long time with a similar roster. You should okay. like when you change up rosters all the time, it's bad. In this new system, we're going to see a bunch of like Soaz could leave Fnatic. Other players could go to these things. There's going to be way don't more you think money. So going to leave Fnatic even if they don't franchise. I don't know. Well, so as we're probably less likely to to um, leave if they're if he uh, they didn't franchise. Why? Because the money, or yeah. I mean. The other teams can't pay as much as Fnatic. He would most likely stay. Wouldn't like, he just go to like some other franchise league? I, th- I think the franchising is like EU's hope to keep keep Soaz in Europe. Maybe. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure that does franchising really bring a lot of money? There's no relegations now, so people can sign long term. Well, salaries in North America probably tripled this offseason because of the franchising. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard from Sven and Mithy on their interview that uh, at the beginning of the season, they said that uh, salary offers in, in EU and uh, NA were the same, basically, for oh. them. Well, I, uh, I, I heard that they took less money than they were offered in Europe to come to TSM. I think I heard that rumor before. I think one of them might have said that. But generally across the board, player salaries went up significantly uh, this okay. year. So, so there's going to be more money and higher salaries in Europe because of franchising. That's the yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Then I fail to see how that could hurt performance. Um, if anything, it'll spread out good players to better other teams, and then everybody will push each other up. Well, that's Jay-Z's concern: is that you will have instead of concentrating the best players into a few teams, you will have the best. Yeah, players but that's a concern for America, but um, or North America, but Europe has like all of this. Like, Europe is going to have, like, five C9s, you know, with, like, amazing academy rosters. Um, 
because they just have like way more uh, budding talent point. in all the regional leagues that are going to get poached like crazy. Yeah. Like, just imagine like three max floors getting hired, you know, because people just need more more junglers. Yeah, I think it's also the kind of thing where like I feel I feel like it's weird to to say things like teams that stick together perform better. That's not always true. Like, you can make the case that because Whippo subbed in for Soaz, also performed better. Yeah, Fnatic did better, and even though G two lost their hold on the European Championship with some of the changes that happened through Sven and Mithy. They also yeah. had their best world's placing in performance ever. Um, and C9 made a bunch of roster changes that ended up working out, even though they eventually defaulted They got rid of back. Smoothie. Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, I think it, it's, it's a hard argument to make that just, like, uniformly sticking together is better. Well, then Risen Lazarus says, I would die for CLG Soaz. You're in a position to make that happen. Ooh. Let him die. Mark, you don't want CLG Soaz? I'm a big fan of Soaz as a person, but I don't really like how he kept tweeting out uh, those things about like what was going on internally. Weldon, you've never tweeted out anything controversial. Mm, no, not on Twitter. That was Reddit posting. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Big my, my, my bad. My bad. My bad. Um, all right. I mean, I mean, but I mean, it's him trying to use his his influence to. You know, to, to try, like I understand he's trying to tell a story and share himself with his fans, so that's good, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's respectable in terms of like how it is the EU functions, and players should have the power to do that for sure. Yeah. But um, it's a stress on teams, I would say. I can definitely understand how it's a bit of a PR problem. Stress on teams. Yeah. Jay Z. And, and I don't okay, think that our problem is that we need like really good tank player in top. Necessarily. Speaking. Are you touching your mic? Sorry, go. Sit on your hands. Well, yeah, yeah. Could you could you get like gloves or something? I don't, I don't know. Like the oven mitts that just. I'm such a fidgeter. I just need something to fidget with. Yeah. Uh, got a pen. Uh, we got we got like one call left, so we yeah, just got. And you go get the pillow on the couch oh, behind you and just hug it. Uh, Jay Z, I'll, I'll just look even more like a nerd. Here we go. Jay Z, it sounds like we don't we're we're not super convinced, but the nice thing is we'll find out next year. When North America beats Europe in the finals at Worlds. Exactly. Yeah. That's why this is a hot take. Yeah. Thank you, Jay-Z, for the call. All right. No problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, one final caller. Some people to shout out. Thank you to Ayumi Cat for the Tier 1 sub. So I is a really good there. non-tank player, by the way. I was a little bit memeing him there. But, um... Despite all yeah. the, uh... Can you guys hear Malaclips? Malaclips? Nope. Nope. It's just... Uh... All right. Malaclips, you're going to need to restart or make sure your sound settings are right. Yeah. Mark, do you want to go back with them to the waiting room for a second? And Yeah, okay. We'll just keep, uh, keep spilling. Despite uh, getting a ton of subs, my sub count has actually gone down over the course of the night because all the old subs were expiring from a month ago on Hotline League. So... Uh... Look at Soaz Twitter. Did Soaz tweet something? Uh, let me take let me take a look. We'll find out. Uh, well, how are you enjoying LA? Well then, um, <laughs> that that much, huh? Well, my family's in Minnesota, 
Yeah. And I'm just basically at the office all day long. So you're having a great time. Trying to navigate the off season. So, so far, I need to find a place, get the kids out here. I can't hear him. I don't know what he's doing. Get the wife out here. Then I'll, then I'll start to enjoy it. Yeah. Spirit, spirit, spirit. With the twist he said, on. fuck it. My mic settings are screwed up. Okay. Well, his take was, and I'm really sad that we can't have him on. Because his take was, can I just come on to Flame Scouting Grounds for having a non-jungle main as one of the junglers and the issues of the scouting ground system right now, slash ask Weldon his thoughts on it, which I would have really liked to have on. It would have been really good. I can answer that question. Yeah. Okay, go for it. First of all, is it Screngy? Who's the non-jungle main playing jungle? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, Fiku's spamming. Sir Sir Kenji. Sir Kenji. Uh, He's actually doing really good. He's really smart, so he obviously one of his strengths of support was like macro and shot calling. So he's like picking the same champ over and over to like limit uh, limit any issues with the like champ pool in the jungle, right? And then he's like, um, which by the way he's fine at jungle. Uh, you know, people in challenger can play multiple roles. Um, and then he's just like kind of like trying to lead his team. So I think he's he's navigating it really well. Uh, he's outperforming expectations for sure. Um, and then, like, how it's going, I have no idea. There's been three scouting grounds now, and, like, this is my first one, and I have no data to compare it to the previous ones. So it seems like by the end of the week, I'll be able to have a better understanding of these players and their capabilities than watching them on Twitch. Just, like, straight up the first day, like, watch it, scouting these players on Twitch versus being able to stand behind them and listen to how they interact with the team live uh, is totally different, right? So... Um, it's already a step up in terms of how it is that you recruit high-ranked challenger, you know, high-ranked jungle, so uh, ladder players. So I didn't. I had no idea that there were that this was happening. I haven't been following uh, scouting grants at all because I've been recovering. Um, but we got Malclips in the call now too. Malclips, is your I'm audio working? I'm alive. You're what? I am alive. You're alive. Okay. Malaclips, why don't you start with your pitch on this? Um, just Sir Kenji is not a jungle main, and he's taking one of the jungle spots. And I know Wilden said from what he saw today, he thinks he was performing well. I've heard different things from people that were at scouting grounds. I'm not on scouting grounds. I'm on the East Coast, but I, I'm talk. I talk to people that are there. So, um. Yeah, and I mean, and, performing well compared to the expectations that were. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I right. think if the guy is a support main, what you said that he's going to have some good macro knowledge, which you need for jungle. He's playing to his strengths. Pretty sure right. that they gave the top junglers on the ladder their fair shake and they had to like turn down a bunch of them due to toxicity checks. So I think that's kind of like yes. the jungler's faults. Yes. That he's there. <laughs> Not his fault. Uh, we can or Riot's fault. Like Riot was like, Jesus, we freaking tried you all out, and you're all failing your toxicity checks. So, what do you think? I mean, if if we want to talk about like the whole scouting ground setup in general, which I know Riot doesn't like, and I know they don't that like what? the way scout. I don't think they like how scouting grounds is currently set up. I, I don't think they think it's as easy efficient as it could oh, okay. be right because i mean what what is scouting grounds right now let's let's throw some shots at the teams this is teams not 
doing their full due diligence that they could do when it comes to scouting. So Riot kind of put this ad hoc, put together scouting grounds system that's based off ranking. Even well, though I don't, I mean, I don't think that's it's uh, necessarily like the team's failing. It's not like the team sucks so much that they're like Riot's like, oh, we got to do this. I think. No. I think there was no path to pro previously. Like the path to pro was pretty shit. And so at least here, you can yes, try to like, you can aspire to this. And then a, yes, it is, but it would be more helpful if teams actually did better due diligence with scouting than most have done pretty much. I, I, I can't say for sure on all team orgs. The only one I know adamantly pretty well is C9 put forth a lot of effort. Um, like even before this year, sure. Basil, but back to scouting sure. grounds. Yeah, yeah. I think I I don't know how much I agree that I don't know what rumors have gone around that Riot doesn't like it. I think a lot of people really enjoy it um, as an opportunity to get to see people in a much closer environment to what would uh, be like what they're actually going to play and that they're going for, and it's uh, something I think a lot of people like but i don't know exactly uh, if it's completely efficient i'm sure there's some things they could be doing better but i think the the idea as a whole is pretty well received by people yeah yeah i'm not saying the concept of it was bad i'm saying the current way it's orchestrated and put together isn't as efficient and as good as it could be but it's different every year this year it's completely different than it was last year or the year before i think that right i want to say it's completely completely different like, no do you mean that the recruitment of do you mean the recruitment from the ladder like yeah. that part of it or do you mean the implementation actually at the event i mean this is only the second one right third I think this is third third this is the third yeah yep. really holy shit first one was like you know fallen bandit and yeah and all definitely those was oh my god song. that's right i forgot oh my god yeah yep. All right. Uh, so, but what you have like a, a strong so you have a, so complaint? Like, you don't like that they're taking the top people in the ladder. Who else would they take? I'm not complaining about the top people on the ladder. Okay. I'm saying, okay. okay. So let me give an example, right? If we went through, if teams went strictly off of ranking on the ladder, Zazel probably would have never started playing professionally. For example, there's other players that I could name that were never really pushing for challenger, pushing to go pro, that did get discovered through scouting from other channels other than just looking at rank, which I'm not saying you shouldn't look at rank. Sure, scouting, scouting grounds is only one option. But sorry, what's your specific take on scouting grounds? That I don't think it does due diligence for the NA ladder completely. Do you think teams are getting lazy because they're just going to rely on scouting grounds and so they're not going to go do their own scouting now because it exists in the first place? Partially. That's not a yes or no for me. Okay. It, it, well, I, I do so think there's going to be less effort. Sorry, you said that scouting grounds doesn't do its best due diligence on the ladder. Is that what you're saying? No. I mean, yes, that is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what you no, said. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand what you mean by that. Well, it's also just, at odds. Go ahead. Uh, whatever. No, 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 you go, you go. It's just the instance of you have a non-jungler in the jungle spot, for example. You have a lot of top laners that 
I'm surprised they even made it to some of them. Um, you have, I think there's actually another player. I'm not 100% sure that is actually not playing his main role. It's one of the 80 carries. I'm not 100% sure, but I just remember from another tryout, he was playing bot lane when the mage like mage meta was in effect earlier this year. But yeah. I I just think that some of the rules put in place caused a lot of issues. I think the toxicity checks were a little strange and some of the people that kind of got bounced. It's kind of weird. Uh it's just it's hard because you're sort of making general statements without providing like a a strong position, right? You're like, well, eh, so it's like- just it's a little weird. Like, I like what is the issue? Is it they don't do a good enough job of like picking the right people? Is it that the people that are in there are are toxic and they shouldn't be in there? Like, I, I'm just trying to understand like the specific issue. I don't think they've. I don't like the entire way it's orchestrated. I don't like how it's completely ranked focused. I don't like that there's basically no physical human beings brains and eyes watching these players before they're brought into scouting grounds. I just don't think it's necessarily proper scouting. Okay. I think uh, I think that's fair. I think the idea that like you have um, people not like kind of being off rolled in scouting grounds is definitely weird to me and I think that's something that should really be looked at to make sure that's not happening. But I think some of the goals of scouting grounds might not be 100% you know, what you're looking for. Like I know one of the things, or at least I think one of the things I've heard that people like about scouting grounds is that it incentivizes uh, people to compete on the ladder for something for people who want to go pro. So it's, it's trying to find people who can go out there and like, actually use solo queue as their tool in. It's, it's hard to motivate people to... like pursue like something that is objectively rule-based in terms of the results when at the very end you're going to subjectively select them based on an eye test so i think that like if it were to be that the rules structure were structured in a way that motivated people to go through a system of you know like i don't know if you looked at the rules of how you just to get into into scouting grounds but i've coached individuals who are like trying to get there and like we look at the requirements and we work on that if at the end there's an eye test that's like very demotivating and how it is that it functions. And so I think that like Riot is one of those companies that loves to like make a promise and then follow the rules and they hate saying something and then not following through on it. And so I think for them, if they're like, this is how it's going to be, then they, they get to the end and they go through and they're like, that's how it is. Um, and they're less likely to be like, okay, but we're, but this kind of doesn't make sense. So we should make this guy a jungler or something like that. Um, uh, so yeah, maybe there's changes that can be made to that, but can't, can't we just like let scouting grounds be the ladder selector and then find other people through like the team should do their own scouting too and find other people, their own channels. And, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I also just think the scouting grounds methods should eventually be improved upon to a certain degree. Like if there were like an orchestrator who was in charge of it at Riot and their job was to like put together the best package of people for teams to look at that made the most sense logically. And he started with the top 30 people on the ladder and trimmed it down. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And you don't even have to exclude to just challenge or 
I would say that you could potentially even look at Masters too. No. To a small degree, I think you could. Even no. I know it's Korea, but even Korea looks at Masters. It's By the way, Sir, well, Sir sure, Kenji but... joined the Discord and then left, but if uh, Sir Kenji wants to talk a little bit with us, we could round out the episode with that. Um, so, either way, uh, any final thoughts here on the Scouting Grounds conversation, guys? I think that uh, the idea of like taking a, a less skilled player who on, on eye test, uh, like in Masters, for example, who on eye test passes is like somebody who might should be scouted. I think that that's like... If you've ever watched the movie Moneyball when Brad Pitt is in the room and he's like, these are the guys the stats say are the best. And all the scouts are like, well, he doesn't pass the eye test. He's not tall and blonde haired and blue eyed and doesn't look good when he swings and stuff like. And then Brad Pitt's just like, look at the numbers. Like, that's what we're doing here. We want completely as much as possible objective data on just who the best person is. So throw them in a faceless global online ranking system, have them duke it out. And at the end of the arena, you take the people who are standing there with everybody else's blood all over their bodies who are still alive and victorious. That's my opinion. Sure, I... but just, just to throw this, sorry to interrupt, just to throw this, because this is to talk about, like, insensitizing playing solo queue, a lot of wind training has also gone down that during sucks. this period of going into scouting grounds, just throwing that out there. That, that definitely kind of muddied the waters a little bit. And I think no matter what system you come up with, you're going to have problems. Like, that's, that's just how things always are. Like, there's no system I think I've ever seen in my entire life where I'm like, that thing got it all perfectly, and there's not one area that this system favors over another area. Like, that's kind of how it goes. And so, like, if you start doing, like, some personal, like, scouts thing, you start getting yeah, personal biases thrown in there and things like that. And so maybe this system's more manipulatable in some areas, but it does a better job of weeding out scout bias and things like that that weldon was alluding to so like there's always something that's going to be better in one area and worse than the other my thoughts on it are so far it seems like scouting grounds uh regardless of if there's improvements to make or not has been wildly successful actually like a number of players that end up on teams people have you know done that pretty well with them uh some of these guys you, you probably would have seen picked up anyways and so maybe scouting grounds is oh. just like a, a nice dressing on people that were going to get picked up no matter what but for the most part, I feel like it's it's done a, a pretty good job of, of finding a couple players every year that end up on teams and can make success stories out of it. Malaclips, uh, just out of curiosity, have you seen any public conversation around the wind trading stuff? Oh, yeah, tons of it. Okay, just on Reddit or whatever? Or, or where? Uh, I, you know, Challenger, NA, players, Twitters, Dekar, Forest Within... Uh, these kinds of guys. I know those two primarily have been the ones kind of outing a lot of the wind traders as well, but th there's been a lot. A gotcha. Lot. Cool. I mean, I just hadn't, I wasn't, I hadn't seen any of the public chatter, so I was just curious. Uh, hey, thank you so much, Malaclips, for the call. Yeah, not the best question. Sorry. No, no, no. I just, I'm glad I pulled you because we hadn't really talked about scouting grounds at all. Um, you know, just a little bit. And I thought it was really interesting to have a take on there that uh, is just somebody talking about some of the issues with it. I, I thought it, it forced a good conversation. So thank you. Oh, well, yeah. Thank it you. It changed Pat. my opinion. Yeah. Yes. Have thank a good you one. for uh, sharing. Thank you. I think uh, shout outs to Forrest within, by the way. I fucking love that guy. I don't actually follow him on Twitter, but I just think he's a a stellar dude knows right. a lot about kindred. There were at least three different people here from scouting grounds in the chat. Winter is in the chat. I saw Hi, Sir Kenji, and also um, 
uh, whenever, whenever he was first talking about how there were issues, Five Fire also was like, I was at Scouting Grounds today. I thought it was great. So shout out to Five all Fire the... played a mean game. I'm trying to remember. Was it the Malzahar game? You were just like, that was that looked. It was like, or what was it? Oh, maybe it was the Atrox game. There was some 20 minute inhibs going down. That was very <laughs> uh, one sided. Yeah. Winter, uh, I don't think if you have something you want to say, then come on the show. But if you, I'm not going to have somebody come on and then just we have to come up with awkward questions or conversation to have, especially towards the end of the show. Yeah, especially 25 minutes past 10. Guess what? Scouting Grounds ends tomorrow and guess, or next week. And then there's another show probably next week, right, Travis? Yeah. So we can do it next week. Okay, perfect. We'll do that. Uh, Mark, any thoughts, plugs, anything you want to say? Uh, nope. I'm in. I'm in the doldrums of the off season, and I've started coming up with all those awful, awful ideas I come up with during this time. So look forward to some. He, really he did shit. tell me about one of them, guys, and it is a. I don't. I maybe Mark. I got a chuckle spoil out of you. Yeah, maybe I don't. He doesn't want me to spoil it, but it's a food you review. It. It's a yeah. food review. Do you want to explain what it is? Wait, Mark? that's going to be Hotline League as a food review? No, no, no. no. He's coming up with, because he has all this extra time, which actually isn't true. He just pretends he has extra time. But talking to him, I know he's working hard. But he he feels like he has extra time because there's no LCS or whatever. And so he comes up with these really weird ideas. As, did the ASMR video come out last year? I think that was this between spring and summer oh, okay. I did that one. Do you want to I talk was... about your food uh, example? Wait, so so I was thinking it was totally hilarious and, and a little bit funny that CLG was just all of a sudden coming out with like cooking show videos. But maybe this is just like the, where the human mind goes in the off season now. Yeah, and I mean, what do you do once your team is flunked out? Be coming out with the food videos. There's not there's not a great conversation to have once your your team flunked out. You can't really be like, well, look at these guys, they're uh, hanging out doing nothing. I wonder if I can do ASMR in this mic. Mark. Oh, probably. You're going to explain the food thing? So the general idea of the food thing is called fast food reviews. Stop. All right, that's not a good mic for ASMR. Uh, It's fast food reviews. And so it's going to start with me like, it's going to be me in front of like a white wall, basically, with good or bad behind me on the left and right. And I'm going to take one bite out of like a cheeseburger and then just turn around and hum it against one of the walls, like under good or bad. But what I'm going to do is it's going to be a series. And what you'll find out is that I'm not reviewing fast food. I am reviewing food fast. And I'll start eating like really expensive foods that are like from four, you know, four dollar signs on Yelp. And they'll come in like a nice plate and I'll whip those against my wall, too. And everything will be one bite, instant, good or bad. And I've just pushed. I've come up with a lot of really ridiculous scenarios that are very disgusting about how far you can push this idea. So. You could do like a full pizza night. Just get like twenty pizzas there and just—it's going to be a lot of cleanup. Pizza. I just worry yeah. about the monetization capabilities of that content. There are. Can't none. you get restaurants yeah. to sponsor it? Maybe, maybe Grubhub will sponsor. Yeah, it it's something. bad though because then, oh, then like he delivery. chucks it against a, a no wall or something. I don't know. I mean, but I'm, the delivery service is like care. the one who wins here. You know, he yeah. has to order more food. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's the show. Mark, any, oh wait, I already asked you and that, yep. you, that was how we got there. Weldon, anything from you, any shouts, any plugs, anything that's going on? Um, shout out to risen Lazarus. I think two years ago I muted him on Twitter. Um, <laughs> cause like he's, he was so obnoxious just like in general, but then he's now that I am person. his head coach, I felt obligated to 
try to do everything I can to satisfy all of TSM's fans from the top to the bottom, to the side, to the left, to the right, whether they're Republican or Democrat, you're my fans now. Wait, you just said so TSM's un- fans. <laughs> I had a thought was earlier today, too. CLG fans. Do you <laughs> know, do you... I'm, I'm reprogramming still, okay? It's hard. Um, anyway, CLG fans from the left to the right, Republican, Democrat, whatever, so I unmuted him the day that I signed, and um, I'm trying to, uh, yeah... Do my best. For, I don't. For I don't think everybody who calls himself a CLG fan, no matter what. I don't think what you just said is helping Lazarus <laughs> believe in you right now. Think. I think Lazarus and some other people might have lost some. It's gonna be a hard year. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a long year. I'm waiting for the pick and ban moments in the CLG <laughs> versus TSM draft. It's like, why is he just picking such a terrible comp for CLG? Or just They're randomly. Just, Walter walks out. He's like, "We won the draft." Pick like, like Bjergsen's laner. I'm like, "Oh shoot! I thought I was picking for Bjergsen." God, you know. Um, the, okay. No, but but we're in the final talks uh, with the finalists for the strategic coach position. They're going to be held. Uh, we're going to have live interviews this week, and I'm excited. I think that we'll you'll know who the strategic coach is going to be by next week. Which is really exciting. Um, no. Off season might be done soon for CLG. Um, Progress is being made. Mm, the players, I've, I've met with almost every player. Uh, our academies was last year was beast, you know. We're going to try to snag as many of them as we can, of course. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Echo Fox, the one franchise not attending scouting grounds. Wait. Are they the only one? Echo Fox was there today. I'm looking at, like, this team pairings thing. But their head coach, their head coach was there today. Well, I think maybe okay. they just didn't why, get the. Didn't I think they that they paired? were a little late getting set up. Why didn't they get paired to a team? I think they were really late getting set up with their infrastructure this year, and they didn't really like. They were the last team in the NALCS Discord. They, I think, they missed the sign up for this. It was voluntary. You didn't have to sign up. They just sent an email like, "Who's interested?" Right. Sure, but everybody else signed up. That's a good sign I, for the other teams, and bad sign for Echo Fox, right? So I didn't get to sign up because I wasn't even signed yet. I think my GM took care of that and made sure we were signed up. So maybe they were shifting GMs too. I just think that they were, they were like busy working on their stuff. They're there or though. They They're don't there. care. The other. Well, it is be. so generous. He's like, yeah, they, the last team to get into the Discord, the last team to sign up. The la-. I'm like, well... Well, but they brought what if they're they the last some team in the LCS to next help year? with the scouting, you know? Like, it's not always. I think players are a lot better, like, scouts a lot of times than coaches. Actually, most, like, 100% of the time, you know, than coaches. Um, yeah. And again, yeah, you work brought, for CLG, not Fox. So I know it's. Listen, if their guys are there, it's not fair to look at this graphic and hold the graphic over what's actually yeah. physically happening. I'm just trying to say they put in effort today. So, yeah. what team are they attached to, do you know? What team are they? What attached to? Because like you I guys don't are I don't. I think they missed the sign up. Thinks they're too late. So okay, they can't do it. Yeah, sorry. Well, then the graphic is I'm right, Mark. My spot. I'm not. We can't go by the graphic. The I team pairing is correct. I'm gonna like. I'm paired up with Kane, and I'm just gonna like leech every piece of information I can from that guy. Okay. So yeah, they're not getting my spot. I don't know if they're. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing it, but they're definitely gonna show up and watch. So. <laughs> 
Okay, well, that's episode 54. Uh, shout out to Doublelift and his merchandise. It drops this Friday. Check it out. Mark is wearing the shirt. Uh, he, that's, you know, he never he never promotes me, but I'll promote him. Uh, and uh, hopefully mystery sponsor reveal soon. And uh, I'm going to do some content this week, maybe at Scattergrounds, maybe elsewhere. And maybe a uh, live interview with Shocks on my stream. And that's episode 54. Thanks, everyone.